1: listening to the Voices of
0: Wrestling Podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay, don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing.
1: And Rich Crage. <laughs>
0: hey, hey, hey. I like him. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. I in, you. in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop
1: yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voices of the Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I am Rich Craig alongside, as always... The king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? Hello, sir. You got any banter? Or are you ready to just get right into this?
0: Oh, it's that awkward thing again where we bantered already for We
1: did. We did talk. We talked Central baseball and trade deadline. And nobody wants to hear that at all. That's pretty uninteresting stuff. So yeah, I don't know what to uh I don't know what to banter, about. I'm drinking a Diet Dr. Pepper, one of your favorite drinks of all time. So it, would you declare it your favorite drink of all time? Like, if you had, you know, we talk about the the one match, the one wrestler, the the, the island game or whatever, would, would that be your one drink that you would definitely go with forever?
0: No, you know it's Coke Zero.
1: Coke Zero, okay.
0: Yes, you know that. You know it's Coke phone? Zero. Is that a
1: rotary phone that you just heard
0: ring? I intentionally have the rotary phone ringer. Fuck so. oh, you? You're so old. Because <laughs> the rest of the ringers on my phone are, like, I can't. It's the only one I can tolerate. The rest of them are like these chimes and these fucking noises. I don't like it. I just want my phone to ring. And the only thing that can even closely replicate a phone ringing is the old school rotary phone. That's the only option I have in, in the fucking phone. So that's what I go with. Was that a scooper?
1: was somebody calling you with a scoop or no?
0: Nah, I look like a um, solicitor or something. It was an unknown number. so okay, nobody, all right, yeah, nobody, yeah, nobody has those. Robocall. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I have terrible ringtones uh, as well. I think I, I don't ever, ever actually, do People, I don't know if people call them ringtones anymore, but I don't even, Um, I just keep it on vibrate all the time anyway. Like, I don't even know what my actual phone ring is because I've just never, yeah, because they're all horrible. But yeah, I, I guess I would pick the rotary phone one. So I, I apologize for calling you old. I, I Well, I'm also old. So I think that's the reason why I was like, ah, that sounds, it's kind of a, 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 a fun sound. But I was wondering if you had like a, a rotary phone on like the side of your, you know, <laughs> where you go to no. the, the super long cord with the little notepad next to it, so you take, hey, let me take your number down, all right. I do not have a rotary phone in when's the house. When's the last time you got rid of a rotary? When's the last time you had a rotary phone? When's the time, last time Joe Lanza, uh, when he finally disconnected the rotary phone and, and said, this is it, I'm done with you?
0: I have no idea how old you think I am, but <laughs> I can tell you that I have never owned a house phone, so I'm probably not nearly as old as you think I am. I've yeah, never- I, uh,
1: Since you've moved out, you've always been cell phone.
0: Yeah, the last time I had a house phone was when I lived at home when I was in high school. I've never owned a house phone in my life, in a home that I paid for. So.
1: I'm trying to remember. I, I the first apartment I had had one, and I just asked them if they could like disconnect it because it would like sometimes ring, and I never gave anybody the number. I don't know what the number was. I have <laughs> well, no idea. I was just like, hey, can you just like. Like, I don't want to unplug it. Just like take it out of the wall. Like, it's just taking up space on the wall. People ask me, Oh my God, a rotary phone. Fo- the hell, not a rotary phone, but like, what do you have with a house phone? I'm like, I know. I don't know. I've never used it. I don't know the number. I don't know why they gave it to us. It was so silly.
0: Wait, so you're it, the apartment came with a physical phone.
1: It did. Yeah. And so I guess you could have, I, I suppose I could have like called whatever company and had them hook it up for me or whatnot and transfer my number and all that. But it would like, it would randomly. Like, ring. So, I don't know. I'm sure, like, it was whatever old number that some random person who moved out had done. Like, I'm sure it would, like, pop up or whatever. You know, they get a robocall, like you said. But yeah, for what inexplicable reason, it would just, like, randomly start ringing and randomly. And and, I had no idea why or or what was going on. It had, like, a tone. So, I guess it was hooked up to something or someone, but I never knew what it was. And eventually they did go through and take them all out, which is pretty good. So,
0: see, I've had situations where I don't think so anymore, but. Like when you'd get internet set up, they'd give you a phone number.
1: Oh, yeah. No, like my, my internet always tries to do that. Every single time I try to update or pay my bill or do anything, they're like, hey, you want to add phone? I'm like, no. Why would I want to add phone? What in why the hell in 2019 would I say, you know what? Yeah. Hook me up with that house phone, baby. Let's do that. Let me pay an extra 20 bucks a month. Sometimes, that's not, what
0: I, that's not what I mean, though. What? Like I've had ISPs that were like, because I would have that argument where I say, look, I don't want to pay for a phone line. They'd be like, no, no, no. You have to have a phone number. To have this, I'm like, but it's not dial-up. They're like, it doesn't matter. You need a phone number to have our internet. So then I'd be like, all right, whatever then. And then they would give me a phone number and say, well, you can use this and hook up before. I'm like, I'm not interested.
1: Oh, you know, I, I might even, I might actually have that to be honest. That's what I'm <laughs> oh, saying. Like no, sometimes
0: no. they give you a phone number.
1: There's right? a very good chance I do have that, and, and I just said, don't don't send me a phone. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay, cool. I'm never going to use this number ever again. So, yeah, I, I do know one time when I was trying to to upgrade my internet or something they were actually going to give me like $40 off to get the phone line and I was like no I don't even want it man and they're like well sir it's like $40 less and I was like I just just the idea of me adding a phone line to my and I just knew that like it was going to be an introductory thing and then like a year later it was going to skyrocket the price for this fucking phone line that I was never going to use and I was like I was like no dude I'm, I'll, I'll pay the 40 bucks the rest of this year knowing full well that you're going to raise this thing up in another year or whatever. I don't want it. I just, it's just give me whatever rate I have, but why I don't want a phone number. I do not. And I remember that coming up uh, about two years ago. So
0: they are getting their money back. And then some, at some point, if you say yes to that, there's no way they're going to give you a free service. And $40 off and then just let that ride. Oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. I had
1: like, I, do you ever get this where they try to add home security to you all the time? Like, they they hound me to like, hey, we'll save you $100 on your bill with this home security. I'm like, bullshit. Like, get out of here. Like, because I, I, I have, I'm very pessimistic. I never, as you said, I always know that at the end of the time, <laughs> the end of the day, Xfinity slash Comcast or whatever is not in the business of giving me services that I don't pay for and then also taking money off my bill. So I was like, nah, get the fuck out of here. I don't want home security. And they're like, well, you don't care about your family. Like, the guy, and the phone line would be like well you want you know i, I almost thought i almost should've, had this idea i almost had this idea that like somebody they're gonna send somebody in, like, and like rob my house and be like see we told you you should have got like oh you know steal something small you know not not anything big but just be like yeah you know or like break a window or something be like you know see you, you do need this security like you know sometimes it's not a bad idea if xfinity's listening they should do that is, is send that it is to a good someone's idea. house yeah. Yeah. and be like well i mean you know this is why we tell everybody to get it you know Send an assailant to your home, right? Your not like, yeah, not to do anything too bad, but maybe you know, jiggle a a a door, you know, break a window, maybe steal a. a- a, a PlayStation or something, you know, just something kind of tiny to, to, to steal let, you know. a
0: PlayStation. That's that's like a four hundred dollar. Uh, I
1: know I would be very upset by that. That is, I believe, the second most valuable thing I have in my entire house. I, <laughs>
0: think you, I, thought, you, I thought you were going to say a toaster or something. You're going right for know. a PlayStation. Yeah,
1: they might as well take. That. I don't know if I don't know if I noticed they stole my toaster. I think it would take me at least six months before I noticed they stole my toaster. So,
0: do you own a toaster? Uh, I do. Yeah, I didn't own a toaster until I got married, and then. The toaster somehow made its way into the house when we merged homes, but I didn't own a toaster before then, because I've never understood the concept of intentionally burning your bread. I don't understand. Well, I do that. like
1: I do like toast, but I really don't eat like sandwiches that much anymore. So,
0: well, you you eat toasted peanut butter and jelly, which is bizarre. I do. Yeah, I remember that from like six yes, years ago. That was
1: oh, that's a real deep one. Yeah, that's an old school one. That was I was <laughs> I, think I was in the the, the, the house phone apartment at that time.
0: Not None only do I remember but... that, I discuss that with people in my real life. I say, I know somebody. <laughs>
1: it can be it can be that bizarre, can it? Well, really? I,
0: I, well I'm cur- I, I always say, listen, I know somebody who eats toasted peanut butter and jelly. Do you find this strange or do you not find this strange? I've been taking that poll for the last <laughs> 6 years because I found that so bizarre. And you you got real defensive about it too. Like you were you were in you were like incensed.
1: I do remember that.
0: That I did not ever hear of that, and you got like, and I was like, "Oh, take it easy there, guy. I just never heard of toasting the bread on a pita bread." Because again, I'm not a toast guy. I I I don't toast anything.
1: Well, what was the feedback you got from the poll? Is, is, is am I completely out to lunch there? Or?
0: I haven't met a single human who's ever heard of that. Really? So I don't know where you got that from. Um, but I guess you just enjoy the crunch of the burnt bread with the peanut butter. I don't, burn, I
1: don't burn it. You know, I, I kind of keep it on the low end of the of the of the spectrum. Just a little little crispiness to it. Like like I don't know, do you do you, if you grill hamburgers or whatever, do you do you grill the buns or no? Do you just go straight bun out of the bag?
0: I don't like I don't I don't I don't no. I don't mess with my bread. I like my bread to beat away it comes. I don't No okay. toasters, no grilling buns, not into it. I don't do it. Um never been a toast guy. It's just a weird you know what? like the old nails on the chalkboard thing, right? One of those sounds for me is when people are spreading butter on toast. You know that sound? Oh,
1: okay, called? it is. It is a little grindy. I, I get that for sure.
0: Ah, just goes right up my spine. What
1: does an so, English muffin do? Does that enrage you beyond belief? Because like that is the ultimate of like the the you know it's got all the bums. I'm sure somebody somebody spreading butter over an English muffin is probably your worst
0: nightmare. It has the nooks and crannies, <laughs> right? Oh, of course, that's yeah. what it has. <laughs> Growing up, my mother was big on the English muffins. So yeah, it annoyed me to no end. She would put and 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 it would really annoy me because she'd put tuna on the English oh, muffins. Gross! I hate tuna.
1: <laughs> so that sounds terrible.
0: Lathered in my least favorite food item, mayonnaise.
1: Oh, so God. that's that's my mom too. My mom loves fucking mayonnaise and tuna and like egg salad with extra ma- like it's just disgusting. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I cannot I,
0: stand I, the <laughs> mayonnaise and then she'd bite into it so I'd get the crunch of the nooks and crannies of the toasted English muffin, and then the mayonnaise sound. And then when she would chew, you'd, you hear the mayonnaise smacking people's mouths when they're chewing, if you're not a mayonnaise enjoyer. And, it, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Oh, and yes, it's yeah. just, I can't even be in the same room. I can smell it, and I can hear that mayonnaise lip-smacking sound in, in your palate of the mayonnaise moving around in your mouth. And it and it, and it makes me nauseous. And I'm not a picky eater. Like, I'll eat almost anything else in the world, or I'll try it. Mayonnaise, though, is a non-starter. Can't do mayonnaise. You know the other weird thing I can't do? There's, like, one other food I can't eat. Capers. If I ever get a caper in my mouth and, like, bite, you know the flavor of a caper? Or No, are you not flavoring? Yeah, with I
1: grape? usually, like, well, they're usually, like, on- you know, like I'll get a pasta dish and they'll be there, but yes. I usually don't end up eating them. I kind of end up just kind of like knocking them over to the side with my fork. Like I don't like think, it, away. I'll be honest. I don't think I've ever like bit into it and been like, ah, there we go. That's a sensation. So I, I don't know if I've ever actually tasted one.
0: Capers and cloves. Those two things. I can't stand them. People put cloves into ham. I don't know if you ever had a slice Ooh, of I ham. I've never, no, yeah.
1: I've never had that. There's
0: like a clove. Uh, the worst, but those two things and mayonnaise can't do it. Um, I know that rich hates the onions. This is how you know we've been doing this show too just long. Just like
1: the onions. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, we're.
0: <laughs> Rich does not like the onions. And he's scarred as a young, youngster because his parents would just go to fast food establishments and they wouldn't say no onion. And they would just make Rich get the burger with the onion. And that probably enhanced your hate for the onion. I'm guessing.
1: Into Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Sorry. My, my dog is barking in the background there, but uh, no, it would always do that. Or like my dad would just like cook stuff with onions, even though I was like, hey, I don't, hey, can you make this without onions? He's like, yeah, sure. And then like, lo and behold, I'd bite into a meatball and it's filled with onions. I'm like, what the fuck? Because
0: like, right, <laughs> he's like, he's like, listen, you're eight. You don't get a set. <laughs>
1: right. Exactly.
0: You know, I, I'm the same way. Like with these kids, sometimes, sometimes I, you know, these things come up and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like Brit, he's two.
1: He doesn't. Get he a cannot. Here. Yeah, he cannot have a say on this. He doesn't get a say. Like
0: we're doing what we want in this situation. Like he's two <laughs> years old, but uh, but yeah. So that's how your father was handling that. Basically, he's like, yeah, 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 no onions, whatever. But he wanted onions. So right. the 11- eleven. just made
1: it with all onions. Yeah, which yeah, I did. I understand. Yeah,
0: the eleven-year-old's not winning that argument. You know what I mean? Like you're just gonna get brushed off, and you're gonna bite into a juicy onion. That's how it's gonna work. But now, as an adult, your your house has probably been onion-free. Uh, you know, for your entire nah, see, now
1: the nurse tries to slip onions and everything, too. I'll, I'll tell her specifically, Hey, no onions. And I come in, and it's got onions. She's like, oh, it's fine. Like, the same thing my dad said, the same thing my mom said. I'm, I'm sick of it all. I just don't want to eat onions, people. All right. <laughs> it's not that hard, but uh, anyway, this, yeah, this went. Uh, you said we had no banter. There we go. We had some banter, but uh, we got plenty to get to. Oh, but I do want feedback though. By the way, anybody listening, tell me about the uh, the, the the toasted uh, peanut butter and jelly. I, I have a feeling we might have to put a poll up uh, on on at voices wrestling on Twitter just to see, but I'm sure it's gonna be a bloodbath with the yes, no, but I just want a few yeses. You know what I mean? I just want a validation from at least one other person I think would make me feel better. Cause you've told me you've never encountered another person uh, at the time of our podcast where I think 10 people were listening at that time. Uh, All 10 of those people disagreed with me as well. So now we're a little bit bigger. So I hope, uh, I hope at least I get a few supporters of my toasted peanut butter and jelly, but uh, probably not. I, I tend to... <laughs> I, I just want you know five. I just want five people that say, yes, Rich, I'm with you. I also like toasted peanut butter and jelly, so hopefully it does happen. But uh, anyway, we got a lot to get to today. We're going to talk NXT TakeOver from last weekend. We are going to preview uh, New Japan's Dominion show also going on this weekend. We're going to put a bow on the Best of the Super Juniors and talk about the Best of the Super Junior final, including the debut of John Moxley. Uh, but unfortunately, Joe, we have to start this show with the uh, very, very uh, unfortunate news of a uh, death in pro wrestling.
0: Yeah, Sushi Aoki uh, passed away on June third. A motorcycle accident, a one-vehicle accident. Crashed his motorcycle. I don't know a ton of other details, but uh, he did not uh, survive that crash. Forty-one years old, Ugh. and uh, you know, still smack dab in the middle of his wrestling career. All Japan Pro Wrestling Junior Heavyweight Champion at the time of his death he had just won the title about two weeks earlier from uh from iwamoto so uh just absolutely tragic stunned everybody it's always going to be stunning when it's an accident and it's somebody um who is that young and in this case you know we've we've dealt with um a number of wrestling debts over the last few months uh, a, a lot of them you know older wrestlers like nikolai volkov and most recently silver king who who died in the ring. And, and and that was a shocker and and incredibly tragic. And here we have another wrestler who was still, um, you know, basically in his prime as a pro wrestler and as a, as, as a man, I mean, 41 years old is way too young. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, motorcycle accident. I'm not a big fan of the motorcycles. I'm not no, here to preach. I'm definitely not here to not preach. As well.
1: Yeah. I've had, I've had, a, unfortunately a few friends that have, uh, have, have either been very seriously hurt or died on, on motorcycles. So yeah, I'm very, uh, not, I don't want to say anti-motorcycle, but uh, definitely not a huge fan of them. Like you said,
0: so not a big fan myself. Don't understand them. I mean, you know, my, my, well, I don't want to say stepfather, but the man, my mother married, but I was already an adult when she married him. So it's kind of weird calling him my stepfather. You know what I mean? But, uh, for, for the sake of the arguments, uh, my stepfather is a big motorcycle enthusiast, uh, not a fan of them um you know i had a friend in high school died in a motorcycle accident i just think they're 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 very dangerous um but uh that was the case here and and it's always just a little more shocking when it's not you know an older wrestler who had who had lived a, a long life and it's somebody this young and somebody who everybody who a lot of people listening to this probably just watched you know win a major title so um you know it's it's a shocker as far as Aoki goes. As I said, he was the All Japan Junior Champion at the time of his death. But more so than that, very important person behind the scenes at mm-hmm. All Japan. Right hand man of Jun Akiyama. Uh, pretty much attached at the hip with Akiyama for many years. Um, a liaison to the, to the uh, outside talent. A, the trainer.
1: Head, uh, head trainer of the dojo.
0: Yeah, trainer at the dojo, um, you know, depending who you listen to, either the primary booker or the assistant booker, but very much part of the uh, booking team in the company and the creative end and the, the, the booking direction and, and all of those sorts of things. And obviously, as we discussed, still very much an active wrestler, just took part in a champion carnival, replacing the injured Kengo Mishimo. Had a couple very good matches, an excellent match against Kento Miyahara in the Champion Carnival. And um, it's funny because we talk about Aoki's connection to, to Jun Akiyama as soon as, as Kengo Mishimo dropped out. We all thought Akiyama was getting pulled back into the carnival again, uh, godfather style. You know, just when he thinks he's out, they pull him back. Every year, the guy ends up back in the yeah, carnival. Yeah, it's
1: five years now where he's like, no, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Ah, fine, I'll do it. Okay, okay. Like, someone always gets hurt right before, and it's always in, but yeah, this time it was a little different.
0: Yeah, but in a, in a bit of a surprise, I mean, Aoki, the junior wrestler, stepped up and and took that empty slot in the carnival. So this is a guy who a lot of people just watched wrestle a ton of matches, you right. know, myself included. So, you know, if you watch the carnival and you watch the big uh, junior title win over Iwamoto, and Aoki's a guy who really, you know, it's uh, a lot of people listening probably watched his entire career. You know, he was he he broke in in late 2005 in uh, obviously pro wrestling Noah. And he's part of that. He was part of that um, young boy class in Noah that just for whatever reason, for multiple reasons, just did not work out and really set the stage for the Noah decline in the decade to come and is partly responsible for why they are where they are now. Now, Aoki's career turned out fine. I mean, he had a very nice pro wrestling career and he was set to you know, continue to be an active pro wrestler in all Japan and, 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 and as a key office person probably for decades to come, had this accident not occurred. But Rich, when you look at the rest of that Noah class, that's sort of the lost class that people talk about. He broke in on the very same show. It was Christmas Eve 2005, on that same show, Maybak Tanaguchi debuted. Mm-hmm. Ipe, Ipe Ota debuted. Remember Ipe Ota? Probably Unfortunately, right
1: yeah. <laughs> Very uh, little, but yeah. yeah.
0: Akihito Ito also debuted on that show. All four of those guys debuted on the same show. A couple months earlier, Genba Hiryinagi, uh debuted. So when you look at that class, okay, Ipe Ota, he quit after a couple of years and disappeared. Uh, Ito, same thing. He lasted three or four years and ended up quitting pro wrestling. Genba, Okay, he lasted about a decade as an undercard comedy guy, and you know, but then then he retired, and I I think he's still office in Noah, but with all the changes that they've had over the last year or two, I can't even guarantee that. But I know when he retired, he took on an office job and um, was part of the uh, training, uh, 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 part of the dojo, and all that. But I, I I don't even know if he if he still works for them in any capacity. I have no idea. And then you've got you know Taniguchi, who at the time, believe it or not, Rich. Uh, Because this might be a little before your time, following Noah Taniguchi at the time, people he was a legitimate heavyweight prospect. Now Taniguchi is the only one of the class who stuck it out, and you know to this day is is still with Noah, and you know he's had a serviceable career, Uh, a guy who will win a tag team title every now and then, that sort of thing. But nowhere near did he match um, what what a lot of people thought he would be when he first started, and you know. As the heavyweight of the group, they really needed him to work out. Yeah,
1: and, <laughs> yeah especially in that company at that time.
0: And it just – it didn't. And, and of course, then there's Aoki, who, you know, had you – know, he easily had the best career of that class. I might be forgetting one or two guys, but I think I got all I think
1: that's it. I was kind of trying uh, to do some research, and I think you got all four of them that were –
0: yeah that, was that, yeah, that that
1: crew five. or that five of that crew yeah. uh, right there, you know, at, at that one moment. And there was probably some guys that came in, you know, maybe a few times a little bit after a little bit, uh, you know, before. But, yeah, that that it was those five that kind of emerged together. And, yeah, it, unfortunately, when when the best guy you said is either tanaguchi the best guy, at least for Noah, uh, was tanaguchi and then Aoki, yeah. you know, probably had the better career. But as we'll get to in a he bit, was, not all it was, was done by, in Noah. Yeah, unfortunately,
0: that's so. right. I mean, so so Ito and Ota. Retired relatively quickly, three or four years in. They were gone. Uh, Aoki, of course, left with the rest of the burning guys. He left with Junakiyama, Akiyama, Goshi Ozaki, Katero Suzuki, and Yoshinobu Kanamoru halfway through 2013. Um, you know, Akiyama took those guys and left for All Japan. So Aoki, who easily, uh, and at that time, I mean, he hadn't accomplished a ton in NOAA yet, but it was clear that he was going to be a guy in the juniors division. There's no question he was going to be a guy. He had, you know, the short lived tag team with Kenta. He had the tag team battles with Kenta before that. Um, he never, I don't think he ever got the big singles win over Kenta. He was, Kent, he was always paired with Kenta in the, in the tags. And then they had a probably five or six singles matches. And I don't think he ever beat Kenta before he left. And obviously he's never going to, he's never going to get that big win over Kenta. Um, so I don't think he ever got that one, but it was clear that they were setting him up to be one of the big juniors moving forward. But then Akiyama took all those guys and, and left for all Japan. So by that point in time, the only one left was Taniguchi because Hira Genba retired. Well, he probably retired 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. But by 2013, 14, everybody knew that Genba wasn't going to be a star or anything right, like that. Right, he right. was just going to be an undercard guy. So now, you know, by by, by the time Genba retires, the last one left is, last standing is Taniguchi, and again, he's had a serviceable career, but um, that can't be the one guy from the class who has the most success within your company. And he was just, it's the lost class of Noah and Aoki was part of that and if he had stuck around he would have been the star of the class because once he got to all japan he started winning junior singles titles and those sorts of things and the other thing about Aoki that people don't may not understand and maybe they do now seeing that he was only 41 when he passed away is rich he started very late he was 28 or 29 right
1: right right because yeah i I think i was initially knowing because i know i knew how old he was i knew he was 41 i knew he was in his 40s and then i remember you know unfortunately it I, you know, as you said, I didn't know a ton about Noah's past or whatnot. I wasn't, you know, watching or actively kind of following at the time. So when I was, you know, after his death, looking at some of the research and, and and getting ready for the show or whatnot, I look and I'm like, 2005? Like, he started in 2005? Like, essentially, for all intents and purposes, 2006. And it, I would have thought, you know, given his age, that, oh, man, this guy is definitely a dude who started maybe in the early 2000s or something like that. I was stunned to hear that it was, you know, late, late, late 2005 that he debuted uh, and didn't really get going until, like, yeah, 2007, 2008, 2009 is until when he really started kind of coming up onto the scene. And it's like, wow, for, for a guy who, you know, is what age, he? you know, of course he was when, when unfortunately he passed away. It was kind of surprising that like, oh shit, like he did start very, very late.
0: Yeah. And, you know, by the time because then he had won a couple junior tag team titles. Mm-hmm. I know he had, you know, the team with Katero Suzuki is the one that people probably remember. The short-lived pairing with Kenta and then I he he had won the tag team titles with Marufuji as well, the junior tag team titles. And You know, you really felt like he was really about to get cooking when they left for All Japan. And then he goes to All Japan, and he won the junior title a bunch of times. He passed away as the junior champion. Um, And, you know, he won the equivalent. They don't have a junior tag team title in All Japan. They have the All Asia titles, which it's not a weight-restricted thing, and heavyweights have held it. But historically, if you look at the title lineage, it's usually juniors that win the All Asia title. Um, even going all the way back to the Baba days, it was kind of used, you know, you'd have like the Can Am Express and people like that wrestling. Right, all, right. The multi girls or whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and the heavyweight tag team titles, the, you know, were, were reserved for the single stars in those days would battle over them. Um, but yeah, you know, so there's no but any, and he won that that set of tag team titles a few times too, you know, with you know, Hakaru Sato was his tag team partner. Uh, for the most part, I think he may have won them. I, you know, I should just pull it up. Yeah, Katara so. Suzuki.
1: He actually won at one ring with Katara Suzuki, two with Sato. So,
0: so there you go. So, so you know, the Suzuki team carried over when they jumped, but his tag team partner in recent years was Sato. I mean, that's you know, and 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 um, you know, they've always been aligned in 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 various uh, units and, and things like that as well. So he went on to, you know, achieve his his uh, his potential as a junior in another company. So that really was a lost class for Noah. And I mean, just think of it this way. If let's say you're a modern New Japan fan, let's say that Jay White and Hiromu Takahashi and Sho and Yo, and just throw another one in there, Desperado. Let's throw Desperado in there. Let's say all five of those guys, just three of them were complete flops. One of them retired young and the other left the company. Think about that.
1: Yeah, you know that's that's <laughs> devastating
0: w- when you consider where they all are now. Jay White is a headliner and a main eventer, and already has a title win under his belt. And Hiromu is one of the most po- is a headliner, one of the most popular wrestlers in the world. Uh, Show and Yo obviously have enormous potential that they haven't reached yet. And Desperado is a solid as fuck, you know, uh, soldier on the roster. And it's like wipe all of them out, and that's essentially. What happened to no? You know what? Uh, here's an even better comparison. No disrespect to Desperado. Imagine those five, but only Desperado lasted, and he was basically a mid midcarder. Right? That's exactly. That, it's it's, it's, it's nothing. It. fine.
1: Yeah, it's fine to have Desperado, and Desperado's a good hand. But like, you want stars. You want guys main eventing, especially in this era of Noah too. And you've talked about it a lot in in the show. Um, you know, over the years is that Noah, you know, if people weren't following at the time, of course, you know, the high points of Noah are your, you know, your Kobashi's, your Masawa's, your stuff like that. But, you know, those guys, they kept having to go back to those guys time and time and time and time again, because there was just nobody ready to go up. And they would, you know, maybe go to a Kenta and Marifuji for a little bit. The attendance would kind of slip a little bit and they would just get cold feet and go right back to, to you know, Kenta and, and Masawa and or Kobashi and, and Masawa and yada yada. And they would do, I mean, literally to their death, you know, to, to Masawa's death, unfortunately, just kept going those guys kept going to those guys kept going to those guys and by the time they were finally done noah was basically like oh yeah we don't really have the next guy up wasn't there and there was no guy and now we're kind of where noah's been for now or the last what five years <laughs> basically just well kind of yeah, treading I, water well, you know sometimes it goes up sometimes it goes down but for the most part just never really breaking breaking through uh ever since then
0: i mean they tried kenta and marifuji but at the time fans were much less open the juniors. Right, right. We're talking mid
1: 2000s in Japan where, yeah, it wasn't <laughs> exactly a, a, an era that was super nowadays. I think you could easily go to like a, a Marifuji or a Kenta or whatever and everybody would be fine with it because those guys were red hot. They were just red hot as, as juniors and it wasn't seen that. Yeah, you could just push a junior as your top guy. It was just, yeah, it was a little weird, which sucks because I've been awesome to see that run happen, but it just never did.
0: I mean, it's it's been litigated a thousand times, but they also would cut it short because they would panic you know the the big Marfuji Kenta Main event didn't do a good number in comparison to what like Masawa was doing, but did a number that NOah would literally you know murder for today
1: <laughs> right, right, but it wasn't yeah, it, it wasn't reaching the Masawa levels, and it's like, yeah, maybe it, nothing is going to it, guys yeah, like
0: it didn't it didn't sustain it didn't hold, and then they would panic and say, "Well, well, these guys can't draw so there is an argument to be had that if you stuck with it. They got over his juniors, obviously. they didn't completely tank when you tried them on top. Maybe eventually fans would have bought in, and maybe if they eventually would have got those big singles wins over those other guys, which they never did, that would have helped too. Goshiozaki was the other guy that they were really hoping for, and his career has just been snake bitten. I've talked about it a million times. It's you know every time he got an opportunity it was like. One time he got up right when Masawa died, and it's like that derailed him. Mm-hmm. And then it's like it—it it, it seems every step of the way, Shiozaki was snake bitten, and I'm not sure he ever would have been a mega star anyway. Maybe he just didn't have enough charisma. But he was the other one. Taniguchi just never panned out, and people figured it out pretty quickly with him. But when he first came in, people had high hopes. And then it's like, okay, so Masawa passes away, Kobashi retires. You know, you've got Akiyama, you've got Go. You've got these two juniors that you know they, they just weren't, and it's like Noah definitely dropped the level with that next group. But then this, during this whole time, is when this lost class was quitting and uh, just not working out, and not gonna, and they should have been the ones to follow, Ghost Shiozaki and Kenta and Marafuji. and and that's why it really fell off a cliff. After that, you know, Burning Leaves, you're left with Marafuji, Kenta, and really a whole lot of nothing. And that's when this group of five guys, if they would have worked out, really could have been the next stars to go along. And then, you know, then Kenta and Marafuji put those guys over, but Kenta and Marafuji didn't have anybody to put over. (laughs) It's like, you know, and then it just all fell apart from there. And to me, you can really point to this 2005 slash 2006 class. As where everyone kind of recognized trouble was brewing. Rich, there was a period there where Noah didn't have a single full-time contracted wrestler under the age of 30 on their roster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, that, and it's because these guys either retired or left or started late. Aoki and, and, and Taniguchi, the two that worked out best, were both 28 years old when they started. So it's not like these guys started when they were 18 years old and had a ton of time. To grow into the roles either and see what was going to happen. They were already practically they were knocking on the door at 30 in their first match. So Noah just never was able to restock the pond, and you know, and that's where they are, what they are today. And look, Noah's my favorite company of all time, but it essentially doesn't exist anymore. What it is now is it gets the respect of a major league promotion because of its history and all of that, but in reality, it's an indie. And we all know that, and we don't like to say it, but Noah is an indie. It's a mid-sized indie at this point. I think that's fair to say. They'll draw two thousand fans twice a year, or whatever it is, um, you know. And then they'll struggle to fill Cork in the rest of the year, and then they'll do house shows that do six hundred fans. I mean, it's an indie, and it's a shame, and it's sad. And now they don't even, you know, they they got rid of the colors. And really, you can point to more than ever with this Aoki news, and I'm gonna connect to all this. That Marufuji twentieth anniversary show, last September first, I want to say September first, uh, the Marufuji show. Um, all of the burning dudes who left for All Japan at some point had returned. Kanemaru came back to Noah when All Japan was struggling. Gosho Ozaki came back to Noah when All Japan went through some struggles. Katero Suzuki, uh, you know, came back and as as an invader and all that. Uh, but the last two were Junakiyama and Atsushi Aoki. And they came back together and worked a tag team match on that Marufuji anniversary show, and at that point, all five of the of the burning guys who left had finally come back to Noah and worked at least one match. And to me, that show, that Marufuji 20th anniversary show, you know, in the big building with a, with a packed house of rowdy fans, with the green ring, Junakiyama on the show, Kenta coming back to work the main event against Marufuji, Rich. I love that show, and. In hindsight, with a couple of months to reflect, where rumors are flying all over the place. We have people telling us every day that Kenta is New Japan bound at some point. And now it's Sushi Aoki passing away. And Jun Akiyama working the one match. Yeah, he's never
1: going back there. And, and, <laughs>
0: yeah, Never and, happened. And, and um, it's like and Kanemaru now, entrenched in, in New Japan. It's, it's, I look back at that Marafuji Anniversary show, and that's it. That was it for Noah. That was the last hurrah. That was everybody's last chance to experience what Noah was, and it will never be that again. Because a few months later, you know the new owners—they changed the colors. It's not Noah anymore. It's not—I don't know what it is—but it's not the pro wrestling Noah that I loved, or that you know everybody listening loved. But now with Aoki's death and that Marafuji match. As the main event, it's just so, it's such a symbolic show. Akiyama and Aoki coming back for that show. Yeah.
1: Great match, by and the way. That was my favorite match on the entire show. Time limit draw, too. It went 30 minutes with uh, Harada and, and Segura, and it was awesome. Like, the, the Mirafuji, uh, you know, Kenta slash whatever, I think he was Atami uh, officially in that match. I know that's the one that kind of got a lot of the headlines, and and that's the one that kind of made you feel emotional because it's like, oh, holy shit. But, man, that 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 tag match of, like, the matches on that show, I mean, that was just awesome awesome, awesome stuff there. And it felt like Akiyama and Aoki were kind of proud to be back in some ways. You know what I mean? Like, they had had a lot of tough, you you know, hard feelings throughout the years, but it felt like, okay, this is where we started. This is where, you know, not necessarily where we started, but this is kind of where we belonged for for a while, and then obviously we've moved on and done other things, but it just, there was a certain symbolic moment, like you said, for those two guys coming out there and and, and being a part of that match, going a time limit draw uh, with Harada and Segura, and then obviously just kind of capping the show off. Uh, you know, with Marafuji and, and, and Kenta. So, yeah, you're absolutely right about that one. It, it kind of stinks in retrospect to go back yet.
0: Yeah. That's the end. With all this chain of events, that's it. I mean, finally, all the burning guys returned. And, you know, I, I don't care if he worked as a Tommy. That was Kenta versus Marafuji. And uh, that match meant a lot to me. I, I that you know, that was, and it just felt vibrant and it felt like Noah again. For one night, they rebottled it and it just felt so good watching that show. But that was it. That's the end point. And, you know, Takeshi Sagara is, is so good and w- such an underrated all time wrestler. And, and but, you know, he's almost 50, so he's not going to last forever. And then after that, you know, what's left? The last man standing is Taniguchi. And, he, you know, it's like, and again, no disrespect to him. He's had a nice, you know, nice little career, but he doesn't give anyone the feels. You know what I mean? There's just nothing left after Segura. And this company, this incarnation, maybe they'll be six listen, maybe they'll be a they'll find a star. And it'll happen for but you know what? Even if they do, it's not the green ring. It's not the pro wrestling Noah that we all loved. And it never will be again. It ended on that night. But very sad news with Ioki. And it's it's a major loss with the things that don't matter the stupid junior division and the stupid you know in ring and it, it it's a major loss from that perspective but it's an even bigger loss behind the scenes be, with him being so integral to all Japan and it's just terrible that a 41 year old man is cut down at that point in his life
1: absolutely and uh we 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 haven't made official plans yet but hopefully we'll be able to have a chance to do like we did with the silver king uh, on patreon where we maybe watch a few of these aoki matches and talk about them uh the one even if we just do one match (laughs) what we have to we've talked about this many many years ago i think we did it for a joe and and rich recommend matches to each other god years and years and years and years ago uh that that eight-man tag team survival match from uh, august 17th 2008 uh officially in in katsuki office pro wrestling but uh kind of these weird one of these weird matches that kind of I, I don't know exactly because it was also SEM. It was Kiski office. like it was I, I forget what the official company that ran that was. I guess it was office, right? It was a
0: it was a Kensuki office show and a Kensuki office ring, Corken Hall. That was the big Kensuki office versus burning feud, uh, obviously uh, Kenta Kobashi and and um uh, yeah, and Sasaki on opposite side. And that feud. Is just a legendary feud because you had the two big heavyweights, uh, you know, leaders who were going at it with each other uh, over that course. And then you had Kenta and Nakajima underneath going at it over the uh, GHC junior title at the time and trading it back and forth in both companies. Kensuki Office at the time was a little mini promotion that Sasaki was running. It eventually changed his name to Diamond Ring. And then you know uh, disband you know, and then he stopped running shows, but that was when Katsuki Sasaki, you know he trained Katsuhiku Nakajima starting as a 14 year old or 15 year old or whatever it was, and also Kento Miyahara uh, came out of that as well. And there's still heat between those two guys because I, you know I guess it just didn't end well and, or whatever, and Nakajima, of course, the adopted son of Katsuki Suzaki and, and, and hakuto and and you know, Miyahara trained with him and there's just, there's still, there's uneat, there's awkwardness there. There's bad blood there. And, you know, if you remember a couple of years ago, Nakajima made that grandstanding challenge out to Miyahara when they were both champions. And, um, you know, so, you know, the last I heard, there's still some heat, but they were on the same side here because they were on the Kansuki office side of this survival tag. And Aoki was in that match on the burning side. And it's like, he was part of one of the greatest matches in pro- professional wrestling history. I mean, I- I'm very comfortable saying, that that is that survival tag is one of the greatest matches in the history of professional wrestling i don't know if it's the greatest but it's on the short list of matches that i think about when i think about the greatest matches that i've ever seen so um and he was part of that and absolutely i would i would love to do a show where we look at aoki matches and and you know no matter how big or small a party had in that match people who haven't seen it just go watch it i won't just go watch the match. I still think it's it's worth a watch because he was part of one of the greatest matches in history.
1: Right. You should just watch that match. Regardless. I mean, it, he is kind of the conduit towards it. And and yeah, he played a role in it. Maybe not the most primary role, but that's an absolute like must watch. I mean, I, I know when you recommended it to me all those years ago, I had never seen it before. And I came away, you know, initially you were like, hey, look, it's 55 minutes or whatever, but I promise you, you know, you're going to get your 55 minutes worth. And oh my God, do you get your 55 minutes <laughs> <laughs> worth, man? It is It is the... The the last... It's so weird to say this. The last 30 minutes of the match is just fucking molten. It's unbelievable. Uh, The action, the crowd just the people that get in the ring and as you said a guy will tag in, another guy tags in and it's like oh you know it's like everyone's got this own little there's there's something about almost every little combination of people but especially when you get the people that are supposed to be facing off with each other the people that are sort of paired off with one another it's just like next level stuff here yeah. you see stories throughout the match you see stories progress in this match you just see there's just so much shit going on in this match so th- that's definitely one that i i wanted to talk about uh, i think another one of course you know if you're kind of listening to it right now and and, and thinking you want to kind of do your own rewatch like i said the, the one from the uh the, the marifuji anniversary show so, absolutely go see that when Aoki and Akiyama versus uh, Harada and Segura. That was on uh, September 1st, uh, 2018. These are going to be a little tougher to find. I know summer is still kind of floating out there, but I know copyrights and all that sort of stuff kind of gets caught up. Uh, one that I always really liked as well. I remember this is maybe my first, it might have been the first time I ever saw Aoki, I, honestly, it was uh, 2010. Uh, it was him and Kenta versus Eddie Edwards and Roderick Strong. I remember the, po- that popping up on some DVD uh, that I bought from an ROH show. And that was uh, the actual date of that one is October 30th. Uh, 2010. That is a really awesome match, too, if you get a chance. And then any of the Aoki-Kenta matches, too. As you And you sort of alluded to it earlier. Uh, he had six matches with Kenta, lost every single one of those. So, yeah, never never got the win uh, that he was kind of looking for there. But pretty much any of those, you're okay with. But, uh, you know, on Cage Match, the one that seems to be the most popular is uh, September 21st, 2009. Uh, Aoki versus Kenta. So
0: And the thing about it, they were very clearly building to him beating Kenta. And it didn't happen because they left. It would have happened at some point. And I can't remember the match, and I always bring this up. And if Alan Kuhnahan's listening, and he, he needs to help me out with this. Because there was a tag match, and I don't remember what match it was. And I don't remember if it was in a tournament or not, where Aoki got, he finally beat him. And he got the fall on him. And it, it would just, it, there was so much emotion behind him picking up that scalp over Kenta. And it was like, holy shit, when he beats him in a single, this is gonna be huge. And 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 unfortunately, because of circumstances, it never happens. And I can never remember the match. And I've looked for it and I've never been able to find it. And I don't think it's a figment of my imagination. I know that it happens. <laughs> I, I can rem- I, he tapped him with like an arm bar and Kenta taps, and you're just like, Holy shit, he got him, you know? And um, and yeah, and then, you know, they were on the um, same side in, in the Burning versus KO feud. And you, you remember, it's like the baby Kento Miyahara is in that match. Because it's Kensuke Sasaki, uh, Nakajima, who was feuding with Kenta. It's baby Kento and Takashi Okita, okay? And then it's um, on the other side, it's, it's, of course, Kobashi and Kenta and Aoki. And then one of those guys from the Lost Class that we just talked about, Akihiko Itu. Who Ito, who, who, again, he didn't make it. But, um, yeah, legendary all-time match. And uh, Aoki really, um, it, it, it's a lot of great tags with him because obviously he held a bunch of different tag titles. And, um, yeah, that, that burning KO feud, though, it's one of those where it's like you should really just go back and watch the whole feud and watch it in order because, you know, start with the big, you know, Kabashi. Sasaki singles match and then watch the Kenta versus Nakajima stuff and watch the survival tag and watch all the stuff in order. It just adds to all of
1: it. Yeah, you you used to be able to do that. I, I forget exactly what site had it, but there was a site that had basically every step of it. But God only knows if that's still, I mean, like I said, this is five years ago that I went back and rewatched it. So I'm not entirely positive. And that's, that's the problem. Out.
0: It's going to be hard to piece all those matches together now because of every, everything getting taken down and everything. I mean, if you know where to look, you can find this kind of stuff, but it's not as easy as it used to be. So, I mean, you do have to do some digging. The survival match itself is on some grimy-ass, you know, uh, weird Yeah, you linked
1: to it the other day, and I was like, what is that website? It was like, V-Ho or something like that. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Some weird
0: tube site. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's- uh, But, um, look, any way you can, you know, you know but, but to find all that stuff and watch it, it's, it really was a great, great feud. It was, you know, the best stuff of 2008-2009, you know, going on in Japan in my opinion, but
1: so that's that. So yeah, nothing official yet, but uh, we will, we'll, we'll, we'll talk and, and hopefully be able to get a show sometime in the next few days or uh, we or next week or so where we go and watch some of these matches and, and talk about them. Cause that'd be pretty awesome to do. And, and we kind of, I, I really enjoyed the silver King show and I know a lot of people did as well. So we'll hopefully try to, uh, to do it for someone of Aoki's level definitely deserves uh that, that same standing. So we'll, we'll see what we can do. Hopefully get it done uh, sometime in the next, uh, next week or so, but uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, let's uh, move on to uh, New Japan. Uh, the best of the Super Junior Finals uh, happened a few days ago at the time of this recording this, or yesterday, I should say, at the time of our recording here. Uh, we'll start just right with the main event, then we'll kind of go over some of the other show here, but uh, Super Junior Final uh, Will Osprey, Shingo Takagi, we were worried at the end of last show that they were going to fuck around and put Taguchi in this match. Uh, thank God they made the right call. I think we all were hoping they would make this call, and it was the only call to really make uh to have uh, Will versus Shingo, and they did it. And, Joe, they had a goddamn fucking match. Jesus Christ, did they have a match? We'll talk about it. But, uh, what did you think of this match before we kind of get into the review? And I should mention as well, Grapple, uh, is the sponsor for this, uh, this uh, show review. Uh, G R A P P L, if you want to download the app and join us, uh, do star ratings for every single, uh, Modern show going on, and a lot of the old school shows, so you can go back and 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 rate stuff from uh, all Japan's past, WWE's past, a bunch of other stuff. ppl But just want to mention that this review is sponsored by our friends there. But uh, yeah, Joe, uh, thoughts on Osprey and Shingo as the final?
0: Yeah, I mean, subscribers heard my preview to this match, and I, I really thought that it was going to be impossible for this match to not be great the question was going to be how great because you've got willow spray who always delivers in the big spot and you've got shingo who's just been so good but more than that you had the story of shingo coming in being this unstoppable monster and the story of willow spray and you know him potentially moving up to heavyweight and it was the match that you know universally everybody wanted in this final and um it really when they got into the ring and they were standing there I don't know about you, but it felt like a special match before the bell even rang. It felt like, wow, this is living up to the hype already because this feels like one of those matches that we're not going to forget about.
1: Right, and, and really quickly, not to not to kind of interrupt here, but I think one of the things too, and I wanted to talk to you about this, you know, on, on the show. It's why I didn't bring it up to you before. Is one thing that I loved about seeing these two guys square off and this match happen and the crowd go nuts. We're in, the, you know, the sumo hall and all this sort of stuff, and and it's kind of a personal thing too. And a lot of people are probably going to hate this segment, but it's fine. I don't care. Um, is both of these guys? I I, I felt a weird. I don't want to say proud, proud's not the right word, but I felt like a certain joy or a certain like, I I don't know, I, I don't know the exact word to describe it, but these are two guys that I think you and I have both liked for years and years and years. The first time we laid eyes on Will Ospreay while we were doing the show, we said, oh my God, this dude, this guy is going to be the next <laughs> big thing in wrestling. Shingo's a guy who, despite many detractors, and Will Ospreay, of course, has many, still to this day, many, many detractors. And we always kind of said, fuck those people. Will's a man. He's going to be awesome, and he is awesome. Uh, and Shingo, same thing, too. Shingo has a lot of his distract- uh, d- detractors, even people that are hardcore Dragon Gate fans. There are some of them that still don't get Shingo, don't like Shingo. We were always pro Shingo from way back in the day. The first time I ever saw him uh, in DGUSA and going back and watching Dragon Gate stuff, he was one of my favorite guys. So this was not only just like a big match where, you know, In front of sumo hall in the main event of the super juniors and it felt like a big deal and these guys squared off and the crowd's going nuts and and kevin kelly's screaming about how awesome this is and all this sort of stuff and it felt like it had this this certain weight to it but it also had an extra weight i think for me and i wonder if it kind of had for you as well because it's like these are two of like this show's favorite wrestlers ever you know what i mean like two of the guys that we've been talking about and arguing with people with for years and years and years and years and it was like this weird sort of i don't want to say proof of concept but this weird sort of like you know what, all these people talking about this, you know, junk over all these different years or whatever, like, here's what you got, man, these two guys having a fucking kick-ass match in Sumo Hall to cap off this major show, and it's like, I don't want to say, like, we're right, because that's not the right word for it either, but it's like, all the bitching, and all the moaning, and all the complaining, and all the arguing that we've done for years, and years, and years, and years, it was kind of worth it for this moment, did you kind of have that similar feeling too, on a personal level? So you felt validated. That's a great word. Yeah, validated is a good word because we, we're we like five years deep into the Osprey thing and we're way deeper into the Shingo thing. I remember you and I arguing with people on, on fucking old message boards about Shingo years and years and years ago because it was like, no, we both believe that these guys were great, that these are great wrestlers and these two guys, for for and, and they're not alone, but these two guys have always seemed to have very vocal detractors, very big detractors, very people that really just dislike them for whatever reasons and and we would... We've been fighting that fight for years and years and years. So it was like, yeah, validation is a great word, but it's like, you know what? All this shit, like these guys made it, man. You you know what I mean? All these other people at all, that guy sucks, and this guy stinks, and and oh, he's no good, and he doesn't sell, and he doesn't do this, and this guy. It's like, no, you're, you know, these dudes made it to the fucking top, and it was kind of cool. It was like a this weird sort of proud father moment for me, for for no particular reason whatsoever, uh, to have that sort of feeling. But I just kind of did. I don't know why.
0: Well, the thing about it is. Will Will Osprey Will Ospreay is going to be one of the biggest stars in the world, whether people like it or not. I mean, if you can't see that coming, then you're blind. I mean, it's going to happen. It's in the process of happening, and I know that's gonna. That's not going to make some people happy. They can fight it. They can drag their feet on it. But you, you got to accept it. I mean, it, there's no. I mean, you know, he has the size. He has the look, he has charisma, and he does things that nobody else in the world does. And the other thing is, he's an incredibly hard worker, not just bell to bell, but in improving himself. And, you know, just things like putting on the necessary size to be a main eventer, which he's in the process of doing, things like improving his game taking the complaints that he never, you know, that he couldn't sell to heart. And now he's one of the best in the world at that, at, at that part of it on top of the incredible offense, adding facets to his game that don't involve flippy do's and flying around, which as he gets older, he's going to have to eliminate that stuff. So what does he do? He goes out there and he adds that back elbow finish, which is an incredible looking finish. It just looks great. It's nasty and it's vicious. And he saves it for the right moments, the Stormbreaker. Again, no flippy do involved. Okay. So as he gets a little older, remember, Rich, we talked about this with Ricochet, and he kind of brought that shit back when he got to WWE because he's trying to get over. But Ricochet really started to cut down on that stuff after a while because his body was starting to hurt, and he was getting over it, and he was over already, and he was learning how to stay over in other ways. Right
1: now, unfortunately, and he has to do that every single Monday, <laughs> so that dude's body. Well, is yeah, that's. What I mean, he, he gonna break down all, pretty quickly now. So
0: yeah, he brought all that stuff back because he's in you know a different environment. And he's got to get over, and it's it's a challenge. So that's a different animal. But you can see Will starting to do that now too by working differently and adding different big move because you can't finish people off with, you know, uh, 630 Firebird splashes when you're 38 years old. I mean, your knees are going to be dead. You just can't do it. So you see him. So he's, he, he, he just works so hard to improve himself. He works so hard to get better. He works so hard bell to bell. And, you know, it's like, honestly, it's hard for me to understand why people don't like him. I mean, this is like everything you want in a pro wrestler. Well,
1: maybe the Twitter thing. I get that. Like, okay, I get that you follow him me. on when Twitter I, and he's I a dunce on that? Twitter, which okay. is fine. Whatever. But
0: hold on a second. Can I talk about that for a yeah, second? Sure. Go ahead. That stuff is so overrated. He's not even that bad on Twitter.
1: I agree. He's, he's kind of just he, an idiot. He's just a dummy. He, but he says
0: things that are like mildly stupid and people act like he belongs in prison. I mean, it's it's re- it is so overblown, the, the, the heat that he gets on Twitter. It is so overblown. I mean, it's crazy. But, you know, if I'm Will Ospreay, I sit down and I have a chat with Juice Robinson, and I just get off of it. I eliminate social media from my life. He doesn't need it anymore.
1: No, and the problem is he said he was going to do that, and then he think he came back like and six hours later. Yeah, like he can't, he can't separate himself, and he because really would be better the, off if he did. I mean, it, it adds nothing the, to his career whatsoever. So, the die
0: is cast with that man. So. Any minor, tran- and that's what they are. They're always these minor transgressions. Any minor transgression he has, people are looking for things. So he's fucked. So he'd really be better off just getting rid of it. But he's probably, like a lot of people, addicted to it. And he can't get off. Whereas Juice Robinson got in a little bit of trouble once. And he said, fuck this. I don't need this in my life. And my career doesn't need this. And he just deleted everything one day. A lot of people probably don't even remember that little thing that he got in trouble with. And I'm not going to repeat it because I don't want to get the guy in trouble again because it was stupid and minor. And he just said, fuck it, I've had enough. I'm not going to deal with this ever again. Smartest man in wrestling. Is it hurting his career at all? We're going to talk about him in a little while. How's his career trajectory going? At some point, you don't need it anymore. I understand these indie wrestlers, they need it. It's part of the hustle. It's part of the grind. It's a great communication system. Okay? Will, are you, listen. You want to talk to Will spray, You'll find his number. He's at that point in his career. You know, you understand what I'm saying, Rich? It's like he doesn't need this. He doesn't need to hype himself up, and he doesn't need those Twitter DMs to get booked. He's a top star. Delete it. Get rid of it. It's unnecessary, and it just it just causes a headache because people are looking for things now. But it's so overrated, and a lot of times I think people just use that Twitter stuff to justify the fact they don't like him. Yeah, look, it's alright if you don't like them, but they really harp on the Twitter stuff. It's just it's so dumb. I mean, I have no use for it. I don't only really listen. It goes in one ear and out the other now when it comes to him and the Twitter stuff. But he's such a hard worker, always improving himself, wants to be great, and now and is great. And you talked about Shingo. Listen, I never bought it, Rich. You've heard me go on this ramp before. We used to hear from dragging, people who cover Dragon Gate. We used to hear from Dragon Gate fans. Oh, Dragon Gate fans, they hate Shingo, they can't stand him. How come it never reflected in business?
1: <laughs> never. They always went to go see. How him.
0: come it never reflected in business? Okay. I never bought it. I never bought this idea that Shingo could never get over in Dragon Gate and that Dragon Gate fans secretly harbored hate for him. I honestly think that came. I have nothing against Jai, nothing against him at all. I love what he does. We put him over all time. He didn't personally like Shingo. So I think it trickled down because it was reflecting his opinion. Look, he's entitled to an opinion like everybody else. But I, I, I never reflected in business, ever. So I never bought that. And I always saw shit. Now, now Will Ospreay, forget it. First time I saw the guy, ton of flaws in this game. 2014, I probably discovered him. You too. But the flaws were obvious. He didn't sell back then at all. Didn't even try. Didn't even attempt. We saw flaws. But I also knew that guy was going to be a star. As far as Shingo goes, it, look, he was a top star in Dragon Gate, which is why they kept going to him on top. And he was better as a heel than a babyface. There's no question. Okay, the 2015-2016 heel Shingo run, legendary. One of the best title runs in the history of Dragon Gate. And it drew money, and it got over. So I don't want to hear this idea that Dragon Gate fans had go-away heat for Shingo. I never bought it, and I don't buy it today. And I always believed that Shingo had the ability to be a top-level star outside of Dragon Gate. I just didn't think we'd ever find out. But all the turmoil happened in Dragon Gate. A lot of people left. Akira Tozawa, Shima. Shima took his boys with him. Uh, you know, Shingo, uh, left Shingo goes the new Japan. And it was obvious from the moment he arrived, this could be a top guy. He could be a top star, not just as a junior. And that was another theme of this match. It's like, we know that it, it, this turned out to be exactly what I thought it would be a match that no one's ever going to forget about off the top of your head. Give me the 2014 best super junior Final. but I can't do it. You're never going to forget the two. I,
1: I do think that one was Alex Shelley and, and Devitt. Wasn't it? That, that was 2012. That was 12, I think. Never 12
0: mind. or 13, because that was the year Devitt turned. Um, but, but anyway, my point here is... I don't
1: know you, the 2014. Okay, there you go. You won. And, <laughs> and,
0: yeah, but whether anyone can name it or not, my point I is I
1: think Ricochet may have won it, but that's You're right.
0: always going to remember the, the, the 19 one, and you're going to remember this match, okay? Because it's just a... And because both of these guys, too, are going to move forward. They're planting their flags in this company. Neither one of them are going anywhere, barring something unforeseen. Will's moving to the country. Okay. Uh, Shingo just got there and he's getting a mega push. Why would he leave? They're both going to be top line heavyweight stars in this company. Money drawing stars too. Shingo's practically there already. Now, and the other thing is two dome shows, if they keep doing that, look, Shingo's ceiling is the same ceiling that Will has. Tokyo dome main eventer. And I truly believe that. I'm not saying he'll get there. I'm not saying it's any kind of... But is that his ceiling? I do think it is. So we'll see. And this is a special match from that perspective too. This is an, and I also believe Shingo is an all-time great. I really do, Bell to Bell. I think he's an all-time great wrestler. This was an all-time great against a guy who is a future all-time great, who is arguably the best wrestler in the world today in a match, in a main event, in Sumo Hall, one of them undefeated. Both of them on a trajectory that we all see. Now we all see it. Rich already took his victory lap on it, but now everybody sees the trajectory that both of these guys have, and it ended up being a special, special match because the match—oh, by the way, Rich, this wasn't some run-of-the-mill four-and-a-quarter star great match. This was an epic fucking match. This was a tremendous all-time wrestling match to cap off a tremendous all-time tournament.
1: Yeah. So that kind of gets in the nuts and bolts of the match itself. I mean, like I said, the molten heat from the crowd almost the entire time. And I think one of the cool things about it, we'll get to kind of our ratings a little bit and and where grapples at and and all that sort of stuff in a bit. But I just kind of want to talk a little bit about just sort of the match itself. And and what I loved about it is because it was a main event. And like you said, I think the more important part of this was, yes, it was the finals of the best of the super juniors, but it really almost through the entire match felt like this isn't really a junior match. Like it features guys, you know, vying for the trophy. But like you said, it felt like these two dudes are, their trajectories are way above juniors. Their trajectories are Tokyo domain inventors, and and, and we saw just as such even when, when it ended as well. You know, not to kind of jump ahead to the end, but you know, Will says, "Hey, you know, I, I've won the best of the super juniors, and uh, you know, I want to win that title, but I also want the champion to face heavyweights and 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 juniors and, and whatever." And then we're seeing already. We'll talk about the Dominion Show. We're already seeing Shingo maybe already on the trajectory of moving past you know the junior already, even though I think it's probably going to take a little bit before he's officially officially a heavyweight. But still, we saw you know th- they couldn't deny it when that match was over. They're like, no, these dudes are just fucking stars. Regardless Regardless of it's heavyweight, regardless of it's junior, whatever it is, these guys are just fucking stars. And the match worked itself that way too. I mean, there was, you know, some big high flying spots or whatever, but I mean, a lot of it was just fucking power bombs and lariats and and back elbows and, and counters and all that sort of stuff. Like this was, it could have easily been the main event of a Tokyo Dome. It could have easily been the main event of a Dominion or whatever. It, it it didn't feel uniquely Junior as much as it felt like just a great fucking wrestling match between two great wrestlers. So that's one thing that I really love the most about it is that it just kind of, it just felt this weird sort of hybrid style match that was, you know, Will doing some of the flips, but like you said, integrating a little bit of his other stuff too. Integrating, you know, a, a, an awesome liger. I mean, an awesome. I mean, God, my favorite spot in the entire match. Shingo goes for the lariat, and, and and Will swings it into a liger bomb. And just kind of, like, he kind of lets go of Shingo at the bottom, too, so it's not, like, a perfect leg of bond, but it almost works a little bit better, too, because Shingo kind of lands on his neck, and it's just, oh, God, it's awesome. And then, you know, Shingo throwing just these giant lariats and knocking Will off his boots, but then you also Will doing, you know, a 630 to his back or whatever, Will doing some of the other stuff. So I think it was just a great way to sort of showcase what the juniors can do in this company, what Will Ospreay can do in terms of high-flying stuff, but then also sort of show that, yeah, he can kind of move on, and he can do power stuff, and he can do heavyweight stuff. And then Shingo, who's just a junior in name only, really, at this point, because he was out there just throwing fucking chops and lariats and punches and kicks and and just doing awesome stuff throughout the match, too. But uh, no, this is definitely a special, special match. Did you have a certain part that really stuck out to you that that you really loved more than any?
0: Well, there were a lot. Um, There were a ton of little details in the match that I thought, Just added to it tremendously. Shingo, I thought, was... I thought both guys were great in the match. I thought Shingo had like a career performance. I really thought he was just super in the match. Little things. The way he was selling, particularly down the stretch, the hard breathing to signify that he was wearing down, that was a little touch that he added. There was one spot in the match where where Ospreay was setting up this, the Sasuke special. And I'm so glad the camera caught it, but Shingo totally gassed and worn down and knowing what's coming. He took this desperate swipe at Will's ankles as he was bouncing off the ropes to try to prevent that move. And I'm so glad at that moment, the camera, the director cut to a wide shot and we caught that because that's normally something you wouldn't catch. But, the, but they went to the wide shot in that moment. He hit a pumping bomber in this match that Will just took an amazing pump <laughs>
1: yeah, That's awesome.
0: <laughs> you know, and then obviously, uh, the one thing that probably everybody picked up on was he hadn't done the made in Japan since he stepped foot in New Japan, and he saved it for the biggest spot possible. Main event, sumo hall, huge tournament. And though and it's not just that he finally used the made in Japan. It's how they set it up that you know that sequence to set up the, that I can't even repeat because it was there were a ton of sequences in the match that were super complicated like that. It's like I think he got will went for a Stormbreaker and he slipped out and then will went for a head kick and he missed and then um uh and then somehow he ended up uh oh he caught the that's what happened will went for like a reverse uh Like uh, some kind of reverse kick, and Shingo caught him in the air in position, perfect position for the Made in
1: Japan. Like, he didn't really, like, you almost, it almost came across like he didn't really want, like, he didn't really plan on doing it. And he was like, wait, holy shit, I could do it right now. And then just sort of like turns him around and just drops his fucking head on the ground, too. It was an awesome looking Made in Japan, too. But it was, like, you said, it almost happened so organically that, like, it caught Shingo kind of by surprise. And he was like, all right, fuck it then. Yeah, I'll finish you off. Like, let's go.
0: What an amazing setup To finally hit that move in a new Japan ring. And, you know, Kevin Kelly called it the Last of the Dragon. And I'm not going to kill Kevin Kelly. He doesn't know. All right. If Kevin Kelly wasn't sitting home watching Dragon Gate tapes, which he wasn't doing for the last 10 years, the moves look similar. But the Last of the Dragon starts as a fireman's carry and the main Japan as like the the clutch underneath the leg and all that. And it's a slightly different, Mm -hmm. the same move, but it's a variation. So, I really wish Kelly would have nailed the call, but I, I don't want to kill him because again, it, it's essentially the same move. But if you were a bi- and a lot of people probably didn't even notice and thought it was Alaska. The you know what I mean. But if you're a big Dragon Gate fan, you instantly recognized that holy shit, he has never used this in New Japan, and he busted it out in the big spot. So that was a huge spot. Um, totally would have bought that if I wasn't spoiled. Unfortunately, uh, my plan was to go social media dark. Rich, I woke up. Oh, I,
1: I feel like I'm my, to blame. Am I to blame for this?
0: I picked up my phone to check the time. But like the Twitter app was open. <sighs> and the first thing I saw was your tweet. <laughs> oh, like, I
1: was But it's me. not your
0: fault. Like, you know, it's, it's to- I don't bl- listen. It's my fault. I left the Twitter app open when I went to sleep. You know what I mean? So it's like just terrible luck. Um, but you know, I totally would have bought that.
1: <laughs> I did the worst. The actual the worst spoil that I did this entire week. Um, was I, I DM'd the person that won our 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 Super Juniors pick em. Uh, is Gareth is, is his name. So I DM'd him and I said, "Hey, congratulations on your win or whatever." And he went, "Oh no," because yeah. apparently his uh his DMs go to his like his his home screen or whatever. Right, so he gets right, a DM right. where I said, "Hey, man, you won, awesome!" And he knew because he knew like where he had to go, like what had to happen for him to win. <laughs> pick him yeah. and it needed to be Will right, right. winning and he was just like ah fuck and he's like god damn it I stayed off I did everything perfect and then your DM went to my home screen and I was just like oh god I feel so terrible so that All I felt right, bad I, yeah, so- I spoiled a few people this uh, this, this, you year, so. sir are a dick I <laughs> was congratulating him on his victory So that was that's the guy who
0: won? yes alright I'll tell you what does he listen to the show?
1: oh of course yeah he's listening right now I'll
0: tell him right now I'm gonna give him two free months of the Patreon hey, oh wow damn I give him two free months. So you get a free month to the guy who came in last place too, right?
1: I did. Yeah. He hasn't, uh, he hasn't responded yet. So if you were listening right, to this, well, okay. uh, I, I did, uh, I did at you on Twitter. I couldn't DM you, but uh, if you're listening to this uh, man who came in last place, you know who you are. Uh, please uh, DM us. Cause we want to give you a free month for being uh the worst of the Super Juniors. so like very awful. bad too. Like fifty, he had like fifty one, and the leader had like eighty nine. Like like real bad. Like does not any of the bonus points? Guess none of the block winners correctly. Just like absolutely terrible performance by him. So we wanted to give him something to do. You
0: know, whoever you are, you fucking stink. I mean, <laughs>
1: because look at it this
0: way. He got, like, 20 free points from the two guys who dropped down.
1: Right? That's what I mean. Like, what would it have been, like, had he not done? Have we not given him every Doki and every Flip Gordon match and all that sort of stuff? It would have been, you know, just yeah. unbelievable. But, yeah, I got to – let me I, – I, I wanted to check it out once one sec to see who he picked because I actually forgot to look at who he picked for, like, his block winners or whatever. But it had to just be, like, absolute shit for him to not get, like, any of the runner-ups. He got zero bonus points. So none of the runner-ups. And none of the winners for any of the blocks, which is just a very uniquely uh, bad performance. So that's
0: a horrible performance. He, he. I tell you what, if he's listening, he gets two free months. Hey,
1: oh, look at this! Give on, it a month. on Joe Lanza. How about that? All right, so let's, um, let's see who we picked here uh, <laughs> to win these. Uh, so he had Marty to win the entire thing, uh, and Robbie Eagles to be the runner-up. So we had a Marty <laughs> Robbie Eagles main event of best of the Super Juniors against who? Uh, uh, yeah, Marty and Robbie Eagles was his uh, Marty and Robbie, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how you come in dead last is you yeah, predicted yeah. <laughs> Marty's girl and Robbie Eagles to be the right. uh, the super juice. Hey, he shot a shot, you know, he's like, Hey, look, I'm doing this, and if no one else predicts this, it's gonna be all me. Uh, yeah, he had Marty winning the A block, the A block runner up. He had Jonathan Gresham as his runner up. Uh, B block winner was Robbie Eagles, and B block runner up was Bushy. What the fu- <laughs> Jeff, Jeff.
0: Jeff, Jeff.
1: <laughs> Jeff. But anyway, Jeff, if you're listening, please uh, please DM or, or add us on Twitter and we'll give you two free months of uh, Voice Wrestling Patreon for your, uh, your service in our last place
0: effort. You know what Jeff so. was... I'll tell you what Jeff was doing. He was taking the daily fantasy approach of pick something no one else has. Yeah, that's what I
1: said. Yeah. Like if yeah. Bushy hits, like you're going to be the man, like nobody else is going to pick Bushy as the runner up or no one in the fucking universe is going to pick Robbie Eagles, uh, you know, as the B block winner. So if it happens, you hit on it and you're good to go. So, so I, I get it. I get, I get the approach there. It's not a, it's not a bad approach. It's just, uh, uh it didn't work out this time.
0: So, yeah, everybody takes Clayton Kershaw, so you know not to take Clayton. Kershaw. You take Anthony Desclafani. You get lucky when he goes seven good innings. That's he's taking the daily fantasy approach, but uh, but yeah. So but didn't work out, really bad, but uh, but yeah, So what were we talking about? Uh, yeah. So the match. Look, a tremendously executed match. Uh, I thought Shingo was just over the top, tremendous in the match. Uh, will was will, and you know the the super. Oscutter finish where he did it off the top turnbuckle. Another thing, uh, another minor detail with Shingo, there was one uh, moment in the match where he was, uh, he was doing the old wobbly leg, Terry Funk selling, Mm -hmm. but but not quite as exaggerated, but just, and you know, glassy behind the eyes too, as the match wore on Shingo is so fucking good. How good is this guy? Anyway, so he's doing the wobbly Terry Funk selling and he's just all out of position and he, and, and all, and, while he's doing this, Will is setting up an Oscar right? And he's way out of position for it. But fuck if he didn't end up right where he was supposed to be when Will came off of those ropes. This was two... I mean, people talk about these, some of these goofy guys who they say are great... This was truly two great pro wrestlers who know what the fuck they're doing having a great pro wrestling match. That's what this was and it gets so silly sometimes where people are like you know it, 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 ah, he can't well spray and then you watch a match like this and you just see how so far off the reservation these people are and have no clue what they're talking about when you look at a match like this that is so perfectly executed and the intricacy involved in everything and to to and the level of selling and progressive selling that the two of them did particularly shingo this is this match was pro wrestling at a completely different level. These are two guys that are the 0.01 percentile. There's like less than 10 people on earth better at this, all facets of this, than these two guys are. And it all came together in an incredible package of a match for me, we'll see where it all goes shingo would have won if it were up to me
1: right Let, let's talk about that cuz i think that's the thing that you, you know now after the match we've we've kind of gushed over we'll give our ratings here in a, in a sec but uh, the result of the match i was i was kind of shocked with with will winning will you know breaking you know, shingo's undefeated streak you know will obviously moving on to the title match with dragon lee at, at dominion which we'll talk about here in a little bit to me every sign pointed towards will doesn't need this shingo does and i was a little surprised to see shingo lose and 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 i'm not saying that Like it's all over and they fuck this guy up royally and and forget it. But it just, it it seemed like an unnecessary diversion and and it seemed like Will had already sort of progressed past the juniors. Yes. He was in this tournament. Yes. He was kind of here, but it seemed like a very good opportunity to just have Shingo beat him. And Will can just kind of do whatever he was going to do, whether it's enter G1 or go to the never open way title or do what. because we've already had this story. We've already had Will sort of graduate, maybe not fully, but, but, but sort of show that graduation Shingo. We haven't seen that quite yet. And, and for him, it felt like the great story would be, you know, he wins this, He wins the title, and then when he loses, that's sort of his, okay, I'm done with the juniors, and now I move on, or whatever. Or whatever happened to him. You know, a few months from now it would be it for him. He would move on and 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 go become a heavyweight or whatever. But now it's kind of muddy. Like Will Ospreay's back in the in the junior heavyweight mix, like presumably, and we'll talk about it with the Dominion thing. Like, presumably, he has to win the title now. You can't say I'm putting this company on my back and I'm here to be the best junior champion ever, and then you know, not win the junior title. Like that's gonna be a little silly. So I guess he has to win that title. And it seems like it just seems like he's graduated past that point, and it felt like Shingo still had a little bit more upward trajectory there. And and I don't know. It's a little confusing for me. What you, would you kind of think of it?
0: Yeah, I mean, if it were up to me, Shingo would have won. I talked about it behind the paywall before the match. I, but I didn't think either finish was going to be a mistake. Because I kind of see the logic in Will winning, too. Because if he is moving up, which he obviously is, it's kind of weird to go out on a loss to a to a junior. But at the same time, they're both going to be moving up anyway. I, look, I, I would have had Shingo win the bout. But here's the thing. Let's see where they go now, okay? Shingo, after the match, said he was humiliated, and he'll never be humiliated like that again. That's a total Shingo promo, by the way. And he said he wanted to prove himself right away against the heavyweight, and they're giving him Satoshi Kojima at Dominion, which... Let's face it. If someone would have told you that I booked that match, you'd believe them. I mean, yeah. That's this too-
1: whole dominion. We're going to talk about this dominion here. Thank you. Gato for giving us the pencil for one night, because this yeah. is like, God, this show is like exactly what you and I would have booked. So thank you, Gato. We, we appreciate it. So
0: it's like, do I think Shingo will be hurt by losing that match? No. Um, you know, and it's like, if will is moving up, then I guess he had to have that win. But look, I, I don't know. I, I, again, I don't think it's a mistake. And here's the thing too. I trust the booking. I have no reason not to trust the booking in this case because we're talking about something when, when, when Gato or Jado or both of them or whoever the fuck, when they care about something in that company, it's always well booked every single time. And what we're dealing with here are two guys that they're building as potential main eventers. They have a track record a decade long of not fucking that up. So why would I not trust what they're doing here with both of these guys? They've handled Shingo perfectly all the way through. Why do I think it's all going to collapse now? There's no history of them blowing it uh, with with uh, with their top programs and their main eventers. There is none. There's no history of that. So they get the benefit of the doubt where other bookers don't because they've been so great at their job. And I know they're not going to screw up Will because it's very obvious that Will is a top project of theirs right now. So. Whereas I would have had Shingo win the match. I, I, again, like I said before, this isn't second guessing because I said it before. really don't think either way was a mistake. I, I, but you know me, Rich. I love dominance. I love long title reigns. I love wrestlers who just beat everybody. So I like long undefeated streaks and guys who just kick ass. So that's probably why I was leaning towards Shingo to win the bout in that scenario.
1: Yeah, to me it, it, again, it's not like a life or death thing. Like I feel like everything's still going to kind of work out a little bit. But yeah, I, like like you said, I think the better story for me and, and the story that I wanted to kind of go through is just Shingo just being this absolutely dominant guy that just will not lose and not lose and not lose. And, and they've told that story for a little bit. I mean, they've told the story, God, for what nine months at this point now. So you know, I'm not. I don't hate that they're going in a little bit of a different direction, but I, I mean, would it surprise you again if he doesn't lose again now until you know, you know, when he graduates? Like,
0: well, I'm just like, going to ask you if he goes out there at Dominion and wins a neat and tidy 11-minute match against a respected third-gen guy like Kojima. One who could still go. You know they're going to have a good match. Battle of the Lariats, right? Okay? It's like, and he he symbolically beats his first heavyweight in New Japan. How do you feel about the loss? Then it's almost like, all right, he lost this great match Mm -hmm. to another guy who's going to be a heavyweight main eventer. It's really not that big a deal. Even if I personally love the idea of a guy like never fucking losing,
1: right, right, it's a totally different story if he loses to like Taguchi or whatever. You know, there's no upward mobility, yes. but you know that it's Osprey who who these dudes will have a heavyweight title match or they'll they'll have a heavyweight match, I should say. You know, in like a year, you know what I mean? Like next G One, these two dudes are gonna be facing each other again. So it's not like yeah, That's it doesn't completely this- undermine well, that- it, yeah.
0: It doesn't. And as good as this match was, I could see them having another rematch at a major show, whether it's King of Pro Wrestling or a Tokyo, one of the two Tokyo Dome. You need a lot of matches to fill those two Dome shows. I could easily see these guys rematching on one of those Dome shows for like the Never title or something. Yeah, Can't right. you see that? Oh, absolutely. And like And like Shingo getting his win back. I could totally see that. So, you know, it's a booking decision that, you know, I don't think there was a mistake here. Now. If Shingo goes to Dominion and loses to Kojima, I'm going to raise an eyebrow a little bit. Of course, I want to see how he loses and all that and what the fallout is.
1: to oh, so the strongest it, arm. He's going to lose to the strongest arm, Joe. Come on.
0: Right, because if the idea is that he's taking a lesson from the strongest arm, <laughs> I, I may not, you know, I have to see how it plays out. I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't do it. He should win that match. That match should be... The old getting the heat back from losing the last match, you know what I mean, and showing that he could beat a heavyweight and beating a guy that you can beat like a drum, and it doesn't matter at this point. At this point, Gojima's career, he could lose every match; it doesn't matter. But, but you know, so anyway, the booking, I, I you know, I, I want to see where it goes moving forward. I really don't think there was a wrong decision here, and honestly, it's like <laughs> I, 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 I was kind of rooting for both of them. It's weird because I saw like man, it'd be great if Shingo beats this fucking little prick too. But then I was thinking, it'd kind of be cool if Will's the one to end it. you know. And the match was so good that I really didn't give a shit who won by the time it was over. Yeah,
1: that's kind of where I was too. I was just rooting for both these guys to just have an incredible match. That's kind of all I sort of did. But yeah, I, I would have preferred Shingo. But yeah, like we said, we'll, 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 it's all about the follow-up and, and and we'll see. Yeah, of course, if he goes into Dominion and loses and, and Will doesn't win the junior title, it's going to be like, oh, okay, well, I don't know why that'll happen. But uh, I have a feeling both men are going to... uh be victorious at dominion but we'll get to that uh in a bit here joe we have to give our ratings here grapple uh, the users on grapple g-r-a-p-p-l of course sponsoring this uh review uh 4.85 almost five but not quite 4.85 joe what was your rating
0: no 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 you first rich
1: <laughs> i'm a coward uh 4.75 I, I couldn't i wanted to joe it's one of those things you always talk about where you're ready to do it you say ah this was awesome this was incredible it's, if it doesn't if it doesn't feel right to go the full five i just don't do it and i just didn't it just didn't feel i don't know there was just enough stuff that just didn't I, I don't know. There was just little things. I don't know. I just didn't feel it. So I, I, I'm sorry, but I am a I'm a four point seven five. So of course, despite the fact that we just got done gushing over for twenty minutes, I fucking hated this match. But Joe, did you fucking hate it as much as I did?
0: You are so. such a coward.
1: <laughs> I you really are, am. I know. Are
0: such a cow. Ca- what is the big deal? It's a don't be match. I know. I know. Just throw the fucking fight, Rich Cretch, Rich the coward crach is all That's i fine.
1: have to say yeah i i, I know i admit it and, and like i put that up i put that tweet up as i was like kind of on my way to work and you know i was doing work and then 20 minutes later i come up and people are just living at me like you fucking coward you're a piece of crap like like jokingly like a lot of people were like coming to my defense and i was like no it's fine it's just a joke or whatever but uh i did find it funny how many people were just like oh come on just go with the five <laughs> like it is kind of lame the 4.75 but hey whatever go with it <sighs>
0: So anyway, I went 4.75 on you
1: fucking unbelievable. I knew it. I knew it. I knew you were going to go five because you're the no, biggest part of them all.
0: It's the same thing. I just didn't fe- listen. For- you to-
1: know it. You know it. You know when yes. it's over. The second the when one, two, three, you go, that's a five-star match. Boom, ready to go. And there's exactly. never a doubt in your mind. You, you click it. Yes. You, you type it. You do whatever. You know it. And, and I just didn't. I, I didn't have it right here. I debated, like you said, that weird debate of, like, was this a five-star match or not? And if you have that debate, it probably isn't.
0: If I have any hesitation whatsoever, I don't go five. I have to feel it instantly. And listen, this was a great match. It might be my match of the year when it's all said and done. You know? And it's like, I think people just haggling over a quarter star. It,
1: yeah, it, at this it's point so it's over, much. especially now that Dave's dropping like four point seven or five. What do you do? A five point seven five or something like that for someone like a five and three quarter. Like we've lost it. We've lost all control with this thing. It's just over. Except for Grapple. It, Grapple's it, got it figured out.
0: This is a yeah, it's an all-time match. It's a great match. I just didn't feel five as soon as it was over. So uh same as Rich.
1: All right, so go on to the U.S. title match here. We had John Moxley making his New Japan debut against Juice Robinson. Joe, uh, I went four with this match. Uh, the Grapple Users went four point two. Uh, Would you go with this match? And, and and what'd you kind of think of Moxley's debut in uh, New Japan?
0: Four stars, and I think the uh, the Moxley debut was tremendous. And there was so much. This was his, this was his debut period. Uh, right, his first match. Since leaving WWE, and he comes in through the crowd just like he did at Double or Nothing. So oh, dude, I love that.
1: By the way, I, I I wanted to mention that aesthetic of him coming through the crowd because you look at and and it's so, you know, in New Japan, of course, you have Zuka who who did it, but otherwise, it's like everybody just comes down the ramp or whatever. And it was such a a superstar performance for him to come out there, and you could see the crowd immediately bought this dude as a star because he came through the crowd, not through the the the, the ramp. So I love that.
0: Yeah, and it's the one piece of Shield symbolism that he's retained. And the rest of it, I mean, it was, you know, he comes out in wrestling trunks and it's like, you forgot what this guy looked like in wrestling trunks because he's been wrestling in street clothes for five, five, six, seven years or whatever it is, you know, first with the cargo pants and the damn bulletproof vest or whatever. And then with the jeans and the, and the, and the dirty wife beater. And it's like, you know, he's out there in, um, in, in wrestling trunks. And the other thing, like little, little wrestling shoes instead of big bulky, you know, boots that he's been, not even wrestling boots. Like those shield boots were like military boots or something that he was wrestling in all that time. And he just, it was symbolic because he looked like a wrestler again. He didn't look like some caricature or, or, and you could tell it was like, he probably wasn't happy wrestling in street clothes all of that time. You know, uh, whether it was the shield look or the goofy look they had him in later. And he, he just, it, it felt like a guy who was happy to be a wrestler again you know and and he makes his entrance and then the thing about Moxley is i think we all know that he's not any kind of great wrestler i think we could everyone can agree on that we've said it many times and it's like there's a lot of things he does that are awkward like sometimes he'll he'll hit the ropes and he'll take these little choppy steps before he goes into a spot um his his execution is never the smoothest he's not a great pro wrestler and i think that in this match we saw a hint of what his style is going to be. And if it stays like this, it's not going to matter that he's not a great pro wrestler. And he hinted at it in his podcast appearances, uh, both with Wade Keller, that I listened to both parts this week, and also with Jericho, obviously. He is going to fight. And he's going to bring that style. And as soon as he was punching Juice Robinson in the forehead, trying to bust him open hard way, I was like, this is a whole new uh, deal for John Moxley. And this is exactly how he could not wrestle in uh, in the previous company and it suits his style to perfection. It's completely different from the it's the antithesis of the typical New Japan main event style. Mm-hmm. So much like so much like Chris Jericho, he comes into this company and brings something completely different to the table, which is which is also great. And then he just went out there with Juice Robinson and beat the living shit out of him for however long this match was and of course wins the US title. So this was just Kind of, there's a lot of different emotions watching this. It was surreal. It was incredibly interesting. It was holy shit, this guy's going to fit in New Japan like a glove. And it's this guy is the biggest star in the world right now. Those are all the things I felt. When I was watching this match.
1: Yeah, it was kind of the similar thing as well. I mean, I, I said him coming through the crowd was awesome because it's just a, a, a superstar aura right off the bat. But then the other stuff that I love too is like you said, he gets in the ring and he's he's wearing the trunks. And I'm like, all right, what are we gonna do here? And then they just immediately start brawling, and he just starts doing stiff punches to his eyebrow. And I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, here we go. Because it was he he's personifying a little bit of what that the character we saw in the videos so is like kind of a barroom brawler, and that's awesome because that that hides all of Moxley's. You know, negatives, which is, you know, crisping work, athleticism, all that sort of stuff. He's not that sort of guy, but he's really good at fucking fighting. You know what I mean? And that's what he kind of talked about in Jericho podcast, too, is like he wanted to be that when when they said, hey, we're going to turn your baby face or, you know, you're going to be heel again and all this sort of like uh, every post shield. He just kind of wanted to be a dude that just brawled, like just kind of a a, a no music, no frills brawler. And and that's exactly what he was here. He came out with, as you said, just innocuous wrestling boots, uh, black trunks, and just came out fucking punched and brawled and I was like here we go like he looked like a blood sport guy you know what I mean like he looked like a guy who walks out on blood sport during WrestleMania weekend and I was like here we go like that's exactly you know what his character should be and and like you said it's so different because it's not what you're getting uh, in New Japan main events. So we're gonna talk about that with this show too because there were three matches at the top of the show that I think were all super different matches with stars yeah. that all work differently which I think is a really cool yeah. part of what, what I love so much about New Japan in 2019 so far and what and I love about
0: flies, this. and kind of flies in the face of this idea that it's always the same house well because
1: those people don't walk so you know that it's fine like you just hate and don't watch it's it you know you you come with tired ass fucking takes that aren't aren't true and and yeah so you you immediately expose yourself as an idiot so like the will osprey doesn't sell people i'm just saying i'm just
0: saying you, you know can. especially you this can. show
1: like this show you can't like when we talk we'll, we'll get to it when we talk about jay white and tanahashi but three like entirely different matches back to back to back here it's just like it you can't even That argument is... Rich, the shooter! I'm getting rid of that coward. I didn't like the coward one, so moving on to the shooter instead. But uh, no, I mean, really fun uh, match between these two guys. I think the reason I went four is it maybe went a little too long. Like, there was a point where I was like, all right, guys, let's go home here. Like, we got it. You're using the tables. You're using that sort of stuff. But I liked it because it was a fight. But it just did seem like it kind of went a little longer than it needed to at 24 minutes. But uh, I did want to talk a little bit about Juice as well because we see Juice come out uh he, he's comes out to the normal entrance for the most part not really dancing all that much it's kind of serious all the build-up was talking about how hey i'm not the 22 year old you beat in fcw like i'm not that guy anymore i'm a new guy and i'm a new person and i'm gonna show you and i'm gonna show everybody but he comes out and and he reveals that he has cut off his dreadlocks he's now is just normal hair for juice robinson and, and he worked this entire match not as the flamboyant juice robinson but as a a a brawler like you know kind of equally brawling with moxley a new man a a guy who you know red shoe says hey get back in the ring and instead he dives off a fucking uh uh, you know balcony uh onto onto his ass he was supposed to get caught by four people but instead he just kind of landed right on his ass uh there was another point too where he tried to do his little elbow but moxley kind of caught him and and he was just kind of doing cannonballs in the tables and stuff it was kind of interesting to see uh kind of the progression of juice but i saw you know i made a tweet earlier today talking about how i love uh, the transformation of Juice and cutting off the dreadlocks to sort of say that is it. You know, I'm no longer that man before. I'm no longer the CJ Parker. I'm no longer kind of the happy-go-lucky Juice Robinson. I'm a new person. Uh, I did see some people not necessarily loving that all that much because pro wrestling, you know, 101 says, oh, no, you can't just cut your own hair. You got to use it in a title match or use it in a, a hair versus hair match or there has to be a little bit more some symbolism to it. But uh, what would you think of Juice cutting his hair? Did you think it was the right time for it? Do you think he he used it appropriately or would you have maybe changed something a little bit?
0: I think it got a nice response from the crowd, which means it got over. I mean, it's really as simple as that. And I understand your point. And, um, you know, I think Juice's entire approach from his reactions to the videos during the BESA Super Junior Tour on the English commentary to the fact that he approached this in a much more serious manner. include And the haircut was part of that. So, yeah, I I. I'm totally with you on on the point you're making about Juice cutting his hair.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing about it too that I I, I I like that he and 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 maybe some people that didn't watch the build or didn't watch the videos is that the whole point of it was I'm changing for my because I want to. I'm changing to prove to you. So it's one of these things where you know if he goes into this match and and loses to Moxley and the Moxley cuts his hair off or whatever, like Juice is not in any control. That Juice looks like an absolute geek here. Whereas this, you know, he lost, but he lost by saying, "Hey, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna be." I'm going to work your style. I'm going to do everything I can to beat you. And I'm in control of my life and I'm in control of my career. And I think that was kind of cool. I think that was a fun sort of symbolism way to say, you're not going to, nobody's going to take these dreads away from me. I'm going to take them away from myself. So I think the way that they played it off is good, even though if processing One Hundred One will tell you, and I would normally say, ah, fuck dude, you got to lose a hair versus a hair match. You can't cut your own hair, you know, cause th- that's sort of the the old school promoter mentality. And I get it. I absolutely get it. But I kind of like the idea of juice sort of being under control of his own um, you know, destiny, and and I'm I, I can't lie, I'm excited to see what Juice does now in the G1, and I'm excited to see if this is truly a new Juice or if he goes right back, you know, the next week to doing his dancing and being happy, go lucky Juice again, or if it's truly like a transformation that we're seeing. And and if it is, like I know people are saying, oh, geez, well the dreadlocks were were what identified Juice, and that's what people knew about Juice. And and I agree, but that's maybe not what Juice wants, and maybe that's a down, you know, that's maybe one of the downsides of the dreads is that that's sort of what Juice was known for for his silly hair. And now Juice is kind of wondering, hey, look, I'm at this point in my career. I want to be known for something else. So it's all about the follow-up with this. And I, I'm very, very curious because I was invested in this sort of new Juice Robinson. Uh, not that I wasn't invested in the old Juice, but I, I like this idea of him sort of evolving and growing as, as a character. So I'm really excited to see where it goes. And I, and I hope it is, you know, fruitful and it's not just something that sort of happens. And he's just kind of the old Juice now without dreads. So we'll, we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah. I think with, um, with Moxley, he's a guy who his wrestling is so gritty and dirty, and there's a certain grittiness and sloppiness to it that works, but I think as we move along here uh, with him working in you know these three promotions that he's working for now and whatever he does moving forward, he's going to have some stinkers. You can see them coming because there were a couple spots in this match that didn't totally land. The, the uh, Juice's uh, flip dive off the entranceway basically he basically flew over Moxley's head.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm and shocked he didn't fracture his tailbone. He he missed everybody, and <laughs> yeah, well, they missed him too. They, it was just a uh, I don't know what happened there, but yeah, not good.
0: And then there was the um, the big uh, there was there was the spot where the table didn't break, where Moxley came off the apron, and then there was a third spot where Juice went for his uh, you know his turn. What what's the deal that Kevin Owens does too in the corner? The uh,
1: cannonball. Oh, the cannonball. Yeah, yeah.
0: But he tried it, he propped the table up on the guardrail and had Moxley set up on the, on the table, and then he whiffed on that and went way over his head and uh, kind of missed there, too. So you're going to have moments like that in Moxley matches that don't. He's, he's bound to have a match that just it doesn't connect, that sloppiness and grittiness falls on the other side of the line and isn't good and ends up being bad. We've seen him have matches like that before. So I, I do think there's always a danger with him in that it just doesn't work. And like you said. He's not super athletic. He's not a great wrestler. He's not super agile. So he doesn't have those tools. So I think he's a guy who. One out of every 10 matches. It's just not going to work out. The other thing about him that I noticed. You really don't realize how big and sturdy this man is. Until he gets out of WWE. And he gets away from all these other guys. Who are all six foot four. He's a big guy. And. I know he said he's been working out like a maniac to get ready for all of this. And he did look, he was in tremendous shape. He really was. But he's just a big, he's a bigger human than I thought he was. And, 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 you know, I, you know, he's always, you know, standing next to Roman Reigns, who is a former defensive lineman, uh, you know, who got a look from NFL teams and, you know, in WWE wrestling Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar, you know, sometimes it's like, we're always, it's like the Billy Gunn thing where nobody ever realized how huge <laughs> right. that man was. And I'm not saying he's Billy Gunn big, but you get the idea. Like he's one of these guys who leaves WWE and you're like, wow, this guy's a, a, I never thought of him in that way. Right. I never like, thought Like Drew
1: of McIntyre him. is literally the biggest human being you've ever seen in your life. When you see him, in, oh, like God, in any, he is a mod, like even like, even the normal humans you are like, holy fuck that dude's huge. And like, you know, in WWE, he's like, big ish you know what i mean but like oh my god on indie shows he may as well be fucking andre the giant compared to everybody even his
0: even his width.
1: yeah oh he's just like wide yeah he's so fucking wide yeah i remember i i stood like shoulder to shoulder with him he was waiting in line to go do something i was just like oh my god this guy is you know when i when i say shoulder to shoulder he was you know entirely you know foot taller than me but it was like holy fuck like he's just he's just massive he's huge
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I remember in Evolve, you'd go to shows and he was, like, teaming with Gargano before they split. And you'd be like, he's, like, double the size (laughs) of this grown man. Like, it's it's shocking how large he is. But, yeah. But Moxley's bigger than I thought, too. And um, which is going to help him. Because if he's going to work these kind of matches, I mean, you know, that's the other thing. Can he really go out there and have table brawls every time out? I mean... I know AEW doesn't plan on running a full-time house show schedule or anything like that. And, And, you know, New Japan, it sure looks like he's doing G1. But outside of that, I see him as sort of a special event guy. Yeah. I don't going to be out there working tags. I do
1: too. I'm a little worried about that G1 run. There was a time in this match. I think it was about 15 minutes in, and, and that'll that'll come. You know, when you get your ring cardio. But like he, it was you know, as the match is going on, he kind of looked down. And you could tell he was just like, oh, I'm fucking exhausted. <laughs> like, goddamn it! Like we got 10 more minutes of this match to go, and he kind of wiped his face. And you could see that he, you know, and they weren't working like a breakneck pace. And I'm like, oh boy, man, this guy, you know, and and it's nothing against Moxley the the worker because I think he's a he's a very good wrestler. But like you said, there's just little stuff like the cardio, the, the, the athleticism, the, the sort of the, the, the smoothness that we've come to know for New Japan is going to be severely going to be tested for, for, for Moxley if he does do a G1 because that's he's, every single night, man. That's going to be it, a grind.
0: It's every night. It, it, he's a very good wrestler in what he does. Yeah, exactly. Right. I don't think he's a very good wrestler. Like, he has a lot of flaws, but I think that the thing is it, it was harder for him to hide those flaws where he was. Cause you has got to work that house style, and the G one is going to be really interesting for him because he's going to have to. I think he'll have a couple stinkers if he if he's in the G one. I think it's inevitable he's going to have a couple matches that are bad. They just don't work like like when Togi Makabe has a G one stinker. Like I think he's got a couple of them in him where it just doesn't it just doesn't work out. Makabe is very similar. Makabe is not any kind of smooth wrestler. Especially at this point in his career, but when it all connects for Makabe, he could have go out there and have a good match. You know what I mean? Because, but, but like that style is very there's a propensity for that style where it can be bad. So we'll see his G1 if he is in it. It's going to be worried. a fascinating
1: one. <laughs> I'm really worried, yeah. Uh, yeah, like you said, there's going to be some that I think will really click, and then there's, yeah, man, there's going to be some real duds in there. But uh, we'll see how it goes. But Moxley, of course, wins. He becomes the U.S. Uh, heavyweight champion here. Ajus uh, loses the title. So now uh, we're on to the next steps here. We'll see what ends up happening with Moxley uh in the future as i said grapple users 4.22 for this match so we're we're kind of right in line you and i both have four they're at 4.22 so maybe some people liked it a little bit more than us uh but not too much and then we'll move on to uh jay white uh versus tanahashi here uh 19 minutes jay white gets the victory uh grapple users 3.9 i'll give my rating here in a bit but i did want to talk about the match itself uh or really what i want to talk about is the the annual I, i i love this man an absolute pro wrestler an absolute worker of all worker hiroshi tanahashi who every single year we go through this exact same thing with Tanahashi, is man works over body part and match. Tanahashi says, or New Japan announces that that body part is now officially actually really hurt. Uh, Tanahashi posts to social media a very close-up of his surgery scar. Never You never see his head. You never see the rest of his body. But it's zoomed in. Hey, I got surgery on my whatever. Insert body part here. Uh, Tanahashi returns in the summer. Every single match has worked around said body part. Uh, and then he ends up recovering to, around the G1 and having a great G1. And we all say, oh, my God, he recovered from his torn bicep or elbow. I don't even, what I, what is the injury this year? I don't even remember what, it's something with his elbow, right? Like, what an absolute worker this guy is. And then, then the minute, a minute into the match, Jay White's stomping on his fucking elbow and throwing it into a hammerlock position and, and tossing it against the ring ropes. And I'm just like, oh, I love it. I just love this Tadashi, man, the absolute fucking old school worker. And everybody buys it hook, line, and sinker every single year, so yeah this year
0: the the arm and jay white working arm submission
1: yeah it was the back that one year remember everybody threw him against the guardrail every single g1 and put him on the uh, apron every time it was the the bicep two years ago i think if i remember correctly
0: Hey, he's done the knee before.
1: He- <laughs> the knee, yeah, of course. Everybody doing dragon screws to him and, and yeah. clutching the knee, the whole G1. It's just, what an absolute worker, man. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if he's, you know, Kevin Kelly. Oh, he, he's told me he's 70%. He's not quite 100, he's 70%. So now he's got a reason to lose the match and he's, you know, doing the sling blade, but he's holding his elbow because he can't do it all the way. Just an absolute fucking worker. It's awesome.
0: And <laughs> it doesn't really matter if all of these injuries are works or some of them are and some of them were real. It's just brilliance anyway that he does this.
1: It's a great setup every single year. Yeah, it's
0: perfect. It's a great setup, and it lays out perfectly to, uh, sorry, Emily Pratt, but for some storytelling. Oh, that's
1: a dirty word, Joseph. How dare you? I know. How dare you? you. What do you mean story in wrestling? There's no stories in wrestling.
0: Never, never. Uh, Yeah, But, um, you know, and it lays out um, the stories he's going to tell in all of his matches, uh, sometimes right through the G1. So, uh, you know, and this was no different. Jay White I mean, look—it's—it's it's one of those things where, uh, again, completely different than everything else on the show. Completely different than other New Japan made events is what Jay White goes out there and does. He's sleazeball, and it's like technically he won the match clean, but it was after a bunch of shenanigans with Gato and the referee, and but, but he didn't cheat, you know. He just he, he caught him in the end, and he got and he scored the fall, and he beat him. And it's like, but we know it was a little dirty. But he doesn't care, and he'll talk about how he beat the legend and put him away again, and all that. And and these white matches are just so interesting to me, and I love the way that they're worked. And he's just not interested right now in going out there and having your typical New Japan hot closing stretch and doing it, you know, the way that Okada goes out there and does it, or to give it, he does his match, and. He tells his story and he gets himself over his way. And I just think it's, uh, I'm someone who enjoys it. And there's a lot of people who don't, doesn't connect a lot. A lot of people want more action in their match. I understand that. A lot of people don't like the character. I understand that, but, uh, but I'm into it. I went four flat on this and um, I thought it was just, I, you know, when he gets these like flash pins at the end of these matches, you know, you go back to Tokyo Dome with with Okada. This one, and there's others. It's like it just—I—I I smirk. It like puts a smile on my face. I'm like, that goddamn it is some good fucking pro wrestling.
1: Right? He's a troll. He's—he's a—he's a—he's a chicken in in some ways, and we don't see it very often in Japan. Like the—I don't want to say a chicken shit heel because he's not exactly that because he wins yeah. like legitimately. But it's like annoying. It's like, oh, really? Like that's on he's your own? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, God, come on. Like no, like he's not really actively. Like we saw that with the last year's G one, where he's like cheating to win. He's not necessarily cheating to win. He's just fucking winning. And you're like, no, come on, that no, that just he, with the roll up, like, come on, get out of here, man. Like, hit your big move. The, like, he's not the
0: honky tonk man. Right, right. It, it, it's it's you know he's it, it's just he's he'll take he's, it anyway.
1: He's, he's just he, whatever, yeah, whatever way he can win, he's gonna win. and He doesn't care if it looks awesome while he's doing it. It does. He doesn't care if he doesn't hit his good move and and go to the middle of the crowd and pose or whatever. He just wants to get out of there with the fucking win. And it's 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 kind of cool in, in some ways. And I, I I like the offense too. I've really kind of grown on it is you know it's dull at times I, I I totally admit that but it kind of lulls you in and then he always just kind of bursts out with these you know counters and the, and, that, and that's what we talked about during you know the Wrestle Kingdom show as well is that like he's this weird sort of wrestler and it's a weird style where he's never even when he's offense, even when he's on offense it never feels like he's on offense it feels like he's always kind of fighting from underneath always sort of countering your counters always sort of working to what you want to do and then just sort of finding ways to get around it and then yeah he just then rolls you up and pins you and you're like oh, what the hell like I had the entire match like, like, how the hell did he do that? And, and even when he's like, you know, even on the offense, it's like, you know, it's very dickish offense. Like, he knows that the arm is hurt, so he just fucking stomps on it. He're, he just kind of kicks it. He's just like doing little stuff like that. So I, I love him. He's just an absolute great heel. Nobody in the crowd likes him at all, which is perfect because it's, it, it's, it's perfect sort of trolling heel stuff. And it, it's just, yeah, I, I, it's clicking with me, definitely. Uh, so I, I went four and a half or four and a quarter with this. I should say not four and a half, uh, four and a quarter with this. I really, really liked it. And I thought uh, I'm excited to see G one uh, the G1. Uh, for Jay White as well, because I think there's going to be a lot of fun matches there. We saw kind of chicken shit stuff last year, and I think this year we're going to see hopefully a progression uh, uh, with him.
0: Yeah, see, I didn't really like his G1 last year. There were a couple matches I liked, and the others, that kind of got tiresome.
1: Yeah, um, no, I hated it. I hated it, too. It got a little annoying. And we, on a night-in,
0: night-out night 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 basis, uh, you know, but, but, you know, one big match per month, you know, I it's it's and it was overly
1: it yeah, exactly. Was, he was trying to get that character over last year. Yes. and that, That's kind of yeah. my point is that like he was doing now it for over. every new town. Right. Hey, this is my character. And if you right. watched all whatever amount of G1 shows, you're like, oh, Jesus, this again. Whereas now this year, I don't think he has to do that. So I think you're going to get a little bit of an evolution where no, he's not going to be winning matches, you know, by posing in the middle of the ring with a, a one, two, three easy. Like it might be a lot of roll ups, it might be that sort of stuff, but it's not going to be sort of super chicken shit heel stuff like he was doing last year, where he was really over the top of like, hey, I'm a heel, I'm bad. Like, I don't think we're going to get that that much this year, which is is, is definitely good.
0: Yeah, I, I agree.
1: All right, so I want to kind of breeze through because we, we're 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 going pretty late here. and We got some stuff to talk about here. So I want to kind of breeze through some of these other matches here. Uh, Dragon Lee, Shota Minu, Teton, this is the opener uh, of the show, uh, versus Bandito, Jonathan Gresham, Red Narita, Grapple Fans 3.07 for this. Uh, Joe, did you watch this entire show or did you just see kind of the bigger matches?
0: I watched the whole show. Okay. It was the, the the undercard tags. I'll just wrap them up in a bow here until we get to the last one. The, the they, they were all uh, fun and hit the mark, and there was nothing on this match that felt like a slog at all.
1: Okay, good stuff. Uh, Bullet Club uh, it was El Fantasma, Robbie Eagles, and Taiji Shimori defeating uh, Rapungi 3K Show and Yo and Taguchi. Uh, Grapple users two point seven three for that one. Uh, Shoot somewhere... me
0: quickly on that one. Yeah. In the post-match promos, Phantasmo and Ishimori are going to go for the uh, junior tag titles.
1: Oh, cool. Okay? that be fun.
0: And, and the reason that's not at Dominion is because conf- Phantasmo is booked for RevPro that day. So they're, at some point, they're going to do Phantasmo and Ishimori versus Show and Yo. So Show and Yo are off Dominion. is off Dominion. Ishimori's off Dominion. Um, and, and and it was in that promo as well, Robbie Eagles looked very sad and dejected that Phantasmo picked Ishimori as his partner. So they're going to continue to plant the seeds that Eagles is going to split from these guys.
1: Right, which is probably the best move for everybody because we we said, too, that Eagles feels out. It feels miscast to have him be, like, the second junior in Bullet Club because he's much better than that. He needs to be third. third. God, you're right, third, yeah, between each and more, yeah. And he's definitely much better than that. So that's cool that they're doing that story then.
0: And obviously the the plan that makes a ton of sense is if Will moves up to heavyweight, he becomes the Chaos junior.
1: Right, right, yeah, of course.
0: Because he's Will's protege. So uh that's probably the likely the other thing that people are talking about is because he was you know, Phantasmo and Eagles beat Will. So when Will beats Dragon Lee and I think he will. because um, you know how can you have him lose to Dragon Lee now after winning that match? So when Will wins the junior title, you could have him defend against Phantasmo on the UK show and Robbie Eagles on the Australia show because those are the two matches he lost in Super Junior.
1: Right. Oh, so that's perfect booking right there, yeah, for sure. Right. Uh, all right. See,
0: all together with this fucking. It does, um,
1: yeah. Every, everything. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. Everything matters, and we always say that every a random best of the Super Juniors victory is going to matter four months later or whatever, and it's 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 perfect that they do that. Yeah. Uh, Ishi Yano and Yoshihashi, uh, along with Jason Thunder Liger and Tiger Mask, defeating uh, Suzuki Gun, Suzuki Taiichi, Kanamoro, Zack Saber Jr. And Doki, I feel like this is the last time, unfortunately, Joe, that you're going to be able to talk about Doki. Uh, so wave goodbye to I think, Doki. I
0: think they might hire him.
1: You really think so? I had somebody ask I, me that on a Q and A on, on Patreon, and I was just like, eh, I don't know. You really think they're going to hire this
0: guy? I think they might use him. Like he might not be a contract guy, because a lot of these guys, believe it or not, aren't contract guys. But I think they might use him because he's a perfect pin eater for the, and he did well enough on the back end of the tour. I wouldn't be put it this way. I wouldn't be surprised if they use him.
1: Okay, well, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully we will learn up. how to say his name uh, at some point uh, during that. But
0: And we continue to trend towards Liger Suzuki, but just not on Dominion.
1: So. Right, Excellent. we'll have to wait a little bit more for that. Uh, Grapple users 2.7 for that one. Uh, L.I.J. Bushi, Evil, Sonata, and Naito defeats the Great Bash Heel team of uh, Makabe and Hanma, of course, uh, also teaming with Kota Bushi and Toa Hanare. That got a 2.9 on Grapple. Uh, I did not see that match. Anything of, of note there, or just Naito and Ibushi kind of playing up their, their match at Dominion.
0: No, those first, um, what is it, three or four? Those first four matches or whatever it was were all in like the three range. Um, you know. So the so grapple users are accurate. They were all fun and easy to watch. Now the next one with Okada and Romero uh, beating Villain Enterprises with Brody King taking the fall, that match was the best of the undercard tags. I'd probably go about three and a half on that. Grapple went 3.22. Brody King impressed the shit out of me on this tour. He's been very good in Ring of Honor and he was very good on this tour, and he was very good in this match. I think Brody King is a guy that they should book moving forward.
1: Yeah, I'll take the L on that, because he was a guy that I definitely was just like, ugh, oh, gross. Have like, you been impressed with him? I have, I have. I've been watching him you know, live a few more times uh, and, and and enjoying it, and, and yeah, his Ring of Honor stuff has been very good as well. So maybe he's a guy that it seemed like a lot early, but I think he's starting to kind of get it, and, and and we always talk about, too, like, you know, it's one thing to kind of work the indies and work with guys of your level and whatnot, and, and that's kind of what he was doing for, for a little while, but now he's working with, like, super workers, he's working with top-tier talent, both, you know, in Ring of Honor and New Japan or whatnot, and I think we're starting to see that kind of emerge from him, too, that he's improving and sort of understanding his style. This thing, it, you know, it takes a while. We always kind of think everybody's ready to go, and they're just what they are going to be forever, and it's never the case. Like, guys move and evolve or whatever, so I was a little too early in my judgment of Brody King, and, and I I do feel a little bit bad for that, so I'll I'll take the L on that because, yeah, I have been impressed by him for sure and uh anyway that was the best of the super junior finals a pretty fun show overall i did want to talk about this uh uh, grapple uh they were nice enough to kind of provide us with uh, a nice way to kind of put a bow on the best of the super junior so we asked for this a few weeks ago and it took a little while to kind of get everything together uh and they wanted to wait for the final as well but we wanted to know the ratings by individuals so every single match that this particular wrestler had during best of the super juniors including the finals what were their overall grapple ratings just to kind of get an idea of of you know which guys sort of emerge and if it kind of related with maybe what we thought as well. And we have an article uh, up on the website, twovoicewrestling.com that Ben Fox uh, did for us where he used his personal ratings and sort of did his power rankings, and, and now we can sort of match it up with this as well to kind of see where things go. But I'll start at the bottom here, and this is the bottom of Ben's as well. Uh, Tiger Mask uh, at 2.8, and obviously all these are from Grapple, uh, the average ratings from every Grapple user. Uh, Taco, which seems a little weird putting him in there, so I get it, but he was at a 2.8 as well. Uh, Doki, 2.9. Kanemaru 3.0, what do you think about Kanemaru at only 3.0, fourth from the bottom?
0: No, he, see, here's the thing. A lot of his matches were hard to rate because how do you star rate that match against Show that was about, you know, three minutes long? With the right,
1: right, movement? right, right.
0: And that was an awesome match, but it's like my thing that I always have with star ratings and why I don't like them and want to get away from them, but you just can't, is how do you rate that? That was a perfect match for what it was supposed to be, but we star rate everything based on the scale that a five star match is a main event world title classic. And then if you're rating everything off of going off of that scale, some of the matches that Kanamoru had, which were more story based matches that landed totally landed with fans and everything else, you just can't what do you do with them? Right. I don't even know how to rate matches like that. And a lot of times I don't even rate them. But Kanemuro was way better in this tournament than a... Than a and now, look, there's nothing wrong with averaging three stars over nine matches. That's the thing with this tournament. I think,
1: yeah, I think that's the, the overall thing that I was going to kind of say at the end is, like, the, the worst guys were, like, averaging three-star matches, which is pretty fucking great. Yeah. You know, the worst guy, Tiger Mask, 2.8, like right at that three-star level. So that's that's pretty cool there. But uh, Bushi, uh, 3.08. Uh, Titan, 3.09. Uh, Taiji Ishimori, 3.16. What do you think about him being as low as he was?
0: Well, he did. He had a good match against Dragon Lee on the opening night, and then he had a good match against Shingle on the final night and just dog shit in the middle, yeah, including arguably the worst match of the tournament against Marty Skrull. And he was hurt. And, you know, it's like they couldn't, I guess he either wasn't hurt to the point where he couldn't work or it really would have fucked things up if they pulled him. So he just gutted his way through, but he did not have a good tournament.
1: No, he definitely did not. I mean, he, he didn't impress. But yeah, like you said, he's, he's hurt. Like, I don't think it's a long-term thing. With Ishimori, he was just kind of coasting throughout this tournament. So hopefully uh, things get back on track uh, for him. Uh, Renarita, 3.17. Uh, Taguchi, 3.28. Yo, uh, 3.29. Taguchi,
0: quickly, he worked a couple of main events and still was in the middle of the pack. Which- yeah. Not great, but to be fair, one of those main events was against Dalyuki, and you know, so what are you gonna do? But Will Ospreay went out there and had a great match with him. So I don't know. Anyway,
1: uh, yo, three point two nine. Jonathan Gresham three point three one. Uh, Marty yeah. Oh, sorry. Good, Go ahead.
0: Good solid tournament for Gresham. He he acquitted himself well, and he was never put in a position to have a long uh, blowaway match. He was always like first, second, or third up.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that he, you know, all things considered having, you know, what, eight minutes, eight to ten minutes in every single one of his matches, you know, in the, like, the first, you know, the first of the second match of the night is still, you know, average as high as he did, I think, is because we're we're getting into the heavy hitters here in a bit. So yeah. for him to be where he was, I think, is is definitely everyone
0: above him, everyone above him was a heavy hitter.
1: Really. Yeah, mm hmm. Uh, Marty, uh, 3.34 for uh, Marty.
0: Earl had the dog shit match against Ishimori and then really killed it after that. If you really look at his tournament, he killed it. And the stuff with Brody King got over and he had a bunch of really great matches. So, And that's dragged down by what I'm sure grapple users hated when it came to the issue.
1: Yeah, I forget what that one had. I don't have the... the I, I can punch it up, but I think they had it at like two or something like that. Like really bad. Like, you know, give, given that obviously the users really enjoyed this entire tournament when we we're, you know, listing off all these the, these numbers here. But yeah, that match uh, universally panned. Nobody really enjoyed it there. Uh, Robbie Eagles 3.43, which I think is a very good showing for him. Uh, Show 3.44, he is tied with Rocky Romero, who was also 3.44, and El Fantasmo, who was also uh, 3.44. So Show, Rocky Romero, and Fantasmo all there. Uh, I cannot lie stunned by phantasmal being as high as he was and and i'll i'll admit too stunned by Romero as well we we both kind of thought that he would maybe have a so-so tournament i thought he had a very good tournament and phantasmal i mean jesus christ like we we were laughing at this guy being included laughing at this guy debuting in new japan and he fucking killed it man he just he was he just felt like he belonged and it's so weird because you know he never just i never saw this from him and anything else that i've seen him And, and man he just something about the confidence level something about doing it in the big arenas i don't know what it was but man he just fucking delivered Who, Eagles? Uh, No, uh, Fantasmo. Fantasmo.
0: Oh, you're up to Fantasmo now. Yeah, I lost you for a second. But um, no, yeah, yeah, Fantasmo. I mean, I talked about it behind the paywall a lot. Like, he's not – I wouldn't call him a great wrestler, but his character is over. Fans have the right kind of heat for him. And in the big spots he delivered, I think people are being – some people are being way too hard on him. Because overall, he was really good in this tournament, and he got over. And if I'm the booker or if I'm the company, it's mission accomplished with that guy. Uh, oh, got- absolutely.
1: No, God, Jesus. You've, you've definitely, like, you've taken a guy that, that, for all intents and purposes, could have been an absolute dud there and could have absolutely yeah. just, like, and, and, and he's, you know, top five in terms of, like, ratings, you know, whatnot. And, and feels like a star, too. Like, getting no, genuine heat. Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: More importantly, they made a star. They made a junior star. You know, there's no question about that. Rich, I thought he was going to flop.
1: Oh, we laughed. You know, we, we were like, dude, these guys know it's El Fantasmo? Like when we when we knew that it was going to be him and he was coming in, we were we were laughing. We we're like, well, why though? Why Phantasmo and and why not Eagles? And what are you guys thinking? What are you doing? What's wrong with you? And and yeah, another L will have to take because he was he was great. Uh, and then we'll get to the top four here. Uh, Bandito, 3.47. Despite being very good Bandito, I don't know. It felt like he just kind of... There were some really, really high points for Bandito, and I think overall I enjoyed his tournament. But for... I, I don't know. I just don't click with him the way other people click with him. I It's just... It, it's still kind of... I, I, I probably like him more than I did even a year ago, but it's just... I don't know. I just don't get super excited about Bandito matches, and I don't know why.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he he did have... he He's deserving of, of you know, being in a top tier there because I sure. did enjoy a lot of his matches and bandito's a guy who i was always the one out there on an island saying i didn't really get it entirely with him um but you know i i i thought that i think these this average rating is fair um you know particularly on the back end i mean i thought the match with will was better than the match they had that i saw in new york so um uh, you know that match in particular and then he had the match against uh uh renda which was a sneaky good match. So yeah, I think he had a good tournament.
1: All right. Uh, move on now. Top three here. Dragon Lee 3.7 form go over these real quick. And then we can kind of go over uh, each one. Uh, Shingo Takagi 3.87. And your number one, of course, Will Ospreay at 4.16. This motherfucker averaged over four stars, nearly four and a quarter for the entire tournament. I mean, this is, this is an all time great tournament performance, right? For Will Ospreay. Like, you really have to not a stinker in the bunch like almost everything delivered and some delivered like insane high level it's just it's unbelievable the tournament will osprey had
0: subscribers know what i think about his tournament every single match he had all 10 of them were notebook matches for me all of them that's unprecedented
1: <laughs> it's ridiculous
0: it is it is you know it it's like he is so good and it's obvious that i'm just not some biased, fan of the guy. Look at the average grapple users, 4.16, average. That means, yeah, campus matches were better than that. Don't come at me, mathematicians. I know that's not what it means. But (laughs) But, I mean, you get what I'm getting at here. You know, that's incredible, and it's unprecedented for a tournament. I think you seriously have to talk about the tournament he had as one of the greatest tournament performances of all time, not just best of Super Juniors. Who does that? Who in every single match of a tournament goes out there, doesn't take a night off and delivers a very good to excellent to match of the year caliber match every single night, even against the likes of like Duyaka. I mean, it's unheard of. You just it's I mean, you just you is unheard of how good his tournament was. And it's like I said before, if you don't like the guy, fine. I'm not saying you have to like him. Here's two things, though. You need to accept that he's going to be one of the biggest stars in the world. It's happening. I'm sorry that you're not
1: happy about that, but it's happening. Yeah, you might want to find either a new hobby or just stop watching New Japan because this is... Uh... If he annoys you that yeah, much. it's he's not going go away. To <laughs> this is going to happen for a while. He's moving look, to Japan. <laughs> this, is, this is happening. So, hey,
0: Look, there's been top stars in the world that I didn't like. You just got to deal with it, okay? The other thing that people have to accept is if you think this guy isn't good, I'm sorry, but you're an extreme outlier. It's very obvious that the rest of the world thinks this guy is pretty great. So it's like, sometimes you just got to come to grips. You lost this one. Okay? You lost this one. I'm sorry. It happens to all of us. Okay? It happens to, it, it, there's no one listening to this. It hasn't happened to. Okay? You keep dragging your feet. You don't have to like them if you don't want to. But take the, if you, if you don't think will also is a good wrestler, if you don't think he's to be star, you're taking two giant L's. You lost this one. Okay? I'm not saying that means you have to like them. I'm not even saying it like it means you're wrong. You're entitled to your opinion. You're on the wrong side on this one. I'm sorry. I, the reviews are in, all right. So yeah, the guy, this tournament was incredible for him, and I really do think that. Look, I've been posing this question. and No one has countered me. This is the best, best of Super Juniors tournament of all time. I really believe that. You're not going to find one with this level of quality and this level of storytelling, both in combination, and with this depth of quality. And yeah, it helps that they were ten man blocks and all that, and it helps that. Uh, you know, compared to some of the earlier ones. There's some best of Super Juniors where we don't even know all the results. Let That's alone what I mean. Ball.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, well, I, I think what's remarkable is there, you could probably pick a best of the Super Juniors that you liked because you watched, like, you know, five matches of one from from many, many, many years ago. But, like, we saw everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, people that watched this watched every single match. I mean, I forget how many matches it was in total, but it was an insane amount of matches we watched every single thing. And at the end, it was just like, fuck, like, there was a few stinkers here. But, like, for the most part, man, everything, the last two Three matches almost on every single night. Definitely the last two matches and, and absolutely the main event of almost every single match except for, of course, the Mark and Ishimori thing, like, fucking rocked. And then there was just so much good stuff on the undercards, too. Even the just, like, mundane stuff that was opening, like you said, just some random Gresham versus whoever match, was, like, three and a half or, like, three and a quarter. And it's like that. You you didn't get stinkers. And that it that is almost as remarkable as anything is that we saw everything and we could still sort of agree, ah, geez, that was all pretty fucking great.
0: There were two or three bad matches. May, three might even be high. There were like two matches I'd call bad in the entire tournament Ren Narita versus Joki and um, Skrull versus Shimori. Then there were a couple of Taka matches that were like nothing matches, maybe like maybe two and three quarters or something, but they weren't bad. But it's like, here's the other thing though. You say that, okay, we got to see everything. As I always say, Rich, that's both a blessing and a curse. Right. Okay, the fact that we're in an era where we see everything isn't always a positive, because especially in these tournaments, we see the junk. And the comparison I always make is you look back at those classic champion carnivals, and everybody remembers Kawada and Masawa and 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 all those dudes. Okay, but what nobody remembers
1: <laughs> Blue Wolf.
0: <laughs> not even know Blue Wolf was in New Japan, but I get your yeah. The idea being, it's like, but what no one remembers because we didn't see it. Was Wolf Hawkfield and Kamala? Well, that's, too. Yeah,
1: I meant Wolf Field. That's who I meant. Yeah, sorry. That's how it is. Wolf, Wolf stunk up some G1s, I'm sure, too. So
0: Yeah, yeah, there, there you go. But that's my point. Like, we didn't see that. And if we saw all that, maybe we wouldn't have these idealistic visions of these older tournaments from the 90s because that stuff wasn't hitting tape. They weren't airing it on the TV and it wasn't hitting tape and getting sent over here on VHS, you know, because they weren't filming every show. And we were only seeing, think, these great G ones think we'd we'd have even better impressions of them if we only saw like the ten best matches in them. You know, it's like that's how it was a lot of times. So it's like it's a blessing and a curse to see everything. And this is a tournament where everything was pretty good, and most of it was like very good, and like a good deal of it was very good. I had like twenty four star better matches, you know. And it's like for a best of super juniors, it's a lot. You look back at some of the recent Super, they weren't this good. They weren't even close. Guys taking nights off. No one took nights off here. You know, and, and you know, I really think it helped that you have such a hard worker like Will Ospreay at the top and Shingo as well, and guys out there to impress like Robbie Eagles and Phantasmo. It just all worked and it was perfect. And it had great storytelling and running narratives and 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 everything else to go along with it. Right down to guys like Rocky Romero.
1: All right, so let's uh, let's preview here the Dominion show coming up. Uh, of course, uh, the ninth. Um, we got from Osaka Joe Hall. We have a preview up uh, at voicewrestling.com by the time most of you guys listen to this. Uh, Joe, as you we kind of alluded to a little bit <laughs> when we were talking about it. Uh, Gato, I, I think I think we can give Gato a free month of uh, the Voice Wrestling Patreon for this one because he gave us the pencil. And Joe, I think we put together a pretty goddamn good show. So we want to uh, want to talk about the show that you booked here. I mean, seriously, this is an Alan Forrell draft <laughs>
0: that, that you put together or Joe <laughs> Gagney
1: Chris's draft. This is one of Joe's shows from the, that draft. So
0: well, the Kojima shingle match. It's I like... mean, that,
1: come on. Yeah, that that you can't tell me. I, and I wasn't involved in this shadow booking that you apparently did. Um, I don't know why I wasn't invited, but whatever. But that that come on. Come on, Joe. That is That's as transparent so- as Joe Lanza matches I've ever fucking seen it's booked for me like they, they, <laughs> there's no reason called, for that match no. to happen either you know what I mean there's no re- other than Joe who do you want to book we got these guys left and you said Kojima Takagi and they went ah all right fine whatever
0: now listen Gato is my pal I bought him a nice dinner in New York he thanked me for all the great booking suggestions he said he said Joe thank you for telling me to push Kazuchika Okada in 2012 it was mm-hmm. the best decision I ever made in my was this life? when
1: we were in a suite uh during the MSG show or no
0: after. Yeah, it was yeah i got him dinner you know we went okay, out yeah, yeah oh yeah, yeah of course, of course of town course. you know he thanked me for all the great decisions i helped him make like believing in aj styles even though the first show bombed and, and uh and okada uh beating Naito two years ago at the dome i told him i i, I assured him i said listen it's Gato, gonna be fine it's now. gonna
1: be okay yeah
0: i promise you got six months worth of stories to keep telling with okada here and you're and you're gonna have the most profitable year in the history of the company i personally guarantee that so i took him out to dinner and you know he thanked me and he said joe for all of that, you get to book a match at Dominion. And I said, this is what I want. I want Satoshi Kojima versus Shingo Takagi.
1: You want know, the strongest arm versus the lariat. the pumping bomber versus the <laughs> strongest arm. And here's the arm,
0: scary yeah. thing. That's a totally believable thing that I would ask for, too. Like, yes. All of the matches in, in, in this company
1: can make. Like he, would say, he would say, Joe, for all of the years of service that you've done, you know, needlessly crediting New Japan and needlessly enjoying New Japan, even though right. you knew it was utter shit, um, you yeah. <laughs> you know, just to just to get paid onto the table and whatnot, or just to kind of get the, the it all was worth it for the Joe. I will give you, I will grant you one wish, <laughs> Gato the the genie grants you one wish, and your one wish was the strongest arm versus the pumping bobber. So yes, which and is it, uh, again ho- totally plausible that that's uh, even if even if it was a normal genie and they said Joe anything you want in the world, I think you would still ask for like an undercard match with Chima and Shigo Takagi. That's
0: what I mean, like
1: this, <laughs> like. <laughs> Like well, not even just exactly. Gato giving you a a a, a, a wish. No. Like it's something coming down and saying, "Joe, <laughs> you have one wish in this world. Do you want, you know, world peace? Do you want a million dollars? Do you want this?" And you would say, "I want the strongest arm, baby." Versus the puppy <laughs> bobber.
0: <laughs> you want world peace, a million dollars, hundred percent boner every time. Like all of those things.
1: <laughs> and you would still pick.
0: I'm taking Kojima versus Shingo. Like, I really, this would be my, yeah, no question about it. So, but really, what a great out of left field match that nobody was waiting for or expecting. You know, fantastic. And I see so many people like, ah, why couldn't it have been Nagata? Oh, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Okay. (laughs) Right. Are you serious right now? Like, this is better than Nagata because it's two guys. It's like, again, this is like Shingo 15 years from now. This is who he is. He's Satoshi Kojima. Yeah, he's going to
1: be looking through the mirror here in a little bit. So.
0: Go back and watch old Kojima, particularly when he was a heel and all that. Nasty motherfucker. They like,
1: kind of looked alike, too, because they had the kind of similar hair color at that time, too. Like, Shingo now has got, like, the jet black, but there was a time where he had that little blonde in him. Similar, similar to Kojima, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah,
0: yeah, go let him. The- Gotta go wrestle Gresham or something. This is the match you want Shingo to have if he's gonna wrestle one of those third gen guys. Do you agree with me? Like,
1: this oh, is absolutely, you... oh, it's no fucking question that this is the guy. Yeah, this it, it, is like I said, looking through a mirror. This is this is this is Shingo's future here is Satoshi Kojima, which you can hope for him as a great future to have. But, uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, they, they similar like styles, Oka. similar you know a lot of stuff similar to these Everything's guys.
0: Similar. Yeah. It's like when Oka wrestled Naka, uh, um, uh, Nakanishi, and we were like, holy shit, that's, <laughs> right. that's him 20 years from now. Like he, he he's seeing himself, you know? So yeah, what a great match to come out of nowhere to, to, to give us. And how about Moxley versus Shota Aminu? Yeah, he's gonna kill the poor boy.
1: Yeah, the poor, 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 poor Aminu, die. man. Yeah, he's he know well, he had a good run, but it's it's all over, unfortunately. For Shota Aminu he will be retiring. Hey,
0: Moxley and a squash. What's he gonna do to the kid? This is so fascinating to me. You know? Is he gonna give him the typical young lion near falls or or hope spots? I don't know. I hope he doesn't. I hope he just shibata's the kid. I think he's going his- to
1: bloody him. I think he's just going to punch him, so to me he's going to be bursting into the blood, and he's just going to fucking put him away with a double underhook DDT, and, and that's going to be it.
0: I mean, again, it's so fascinating because what if it's bad? What if he doesn't have something compelling with the kid and just goes out there and has a four-and-a-half-minute 1992 WWF Superstars match? I could see that happening. Or he can go in there and just bludgeon him to death or he can go out there and have a typical Young Lion match that really wouldn't fit Moxley's character right now to be given near falls to this geek. So there's a lot of different ways this can go, and all I know is I'm fascinated by it, and I can't wait to watch it. And again, totally unexpected. I figured he would have been on the first flight back to Vegas after he won that title. He's sticking around a week, and he's going to wrestle this match and an opener. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so weird. I love it, man. This is, what, this is honestly, Joe, I think my favorite New Japan card in years. It's so good. I love um, this card. There is one match that I'm almost like, I'm, I'm not looking forward to, and even that match is is. and, and I'll say it right now, it's, it's Liger uh, and Yoshihashi versus Sabre Jr. and, and Minor Suzuki, but then it could be the blood boiling over of the Suzuki and, and, and Liger feud, so when it's all that, done, like it, I don't care right now, but when it's done, I might fucking love this match because it's going to be these, Liger and Suzuki ripping at each other. You didn't watch
0: the tour previous to Super Juniors where they were on opposite ends the whole time. Those matches were fucking red hot. So that, don't worry about that match. That match is going to be good if it's anything like the tags that they've already had because the, the, the heat is palpable between those two. And they're setting up Yoshihashi versus Zack Sabre Jr., which I would have to think is either going to happen. Uh, hopefully, it's on a Rev Pro show, not a new Japan show. Maybe the that Royal Quest.
1: Have, yeah, I could see it happen a Royal that's Quest. That's not until
0: August, as Andrew Rich pointed out. So that might be too long to stretch mm, out.
1: That so is a while.
0: Maybe just some Rev Pro show between now and then, or maybe I like fourth from the top on something that's coming up after Dominion. I don't know, but uh, but then there's uh, Tanahashi, Juice, and Toguchi versus Jay White, Chase Owens, and Ishimori. Um, Chase Owens hasn't been around, but they're flying him in for this. Good for him. And uh, let's see. And then you know that's the one match I think that's kind of just a
1: yeah, that one's a total kind of, kind of like of eh for me. But that's
0: the only one, <laughs> right? Not-
1: Everything else rules. Yeah
0: the business end of this we got taiichi defending against tomohiro Ishii. a lot of people rich a lot of the people they want ishi to win here i think we all want ishi to win here but they want ishi to win here and then maybe shingo coming off a win against kojima enters himself into the never mix how about Shingo Ishii as a possibility at some point?
1: Oh god damn it! It's Shingo versus anybody, man. I fucking love Shingo in New Japan. There's so many matches I want to see, and again, it's like another sort of proof of concept thing that we talked about, where you and I always said that if Shingo ever left Dragon Gate, he would just be awesome wherever he went, whether it be all Japan or or Big Japan or Noah or whatever. Wherever he went, he would be awesome. And, and now there's so many matchups that I cannot wait to see with Shingo. So, yeah, Shingo versus Ishii, Shingo versus Kojima. I mean, Shingo versus Tanahashi, like, all these ones. <laughs> all these matches I want to see so badly. But, uh, yeah, I cannot wait. So, I, I hope Ishii gets it. Nothing against Taichi, even though I'm not I'm not fully invested in Taichi the way a lot of people are. I hope Ishii gets this because I think there's so many more intriguing matchups uh, with Ishii holding this Never Openweight title for That's the next the little while. Taichi, so
0: Taichi's fine and all that. I get it. But, yeah, I'm with you. I just... You got to go back to Ishii here because there's so much more. That they like,
1: Just me personally, like it's Taichi versus whoever or here, motherfucking Ishii versus Shingo Takagi. You know what I mean? Like Ishii versus Will Ospreay. Ishii versus, you know, a Juice Robinson or whatever. You know what? Even though it doesn't make any sense. Whatever. Like I just it's like anybody. Like Ishii versus anybody I'd rather see. So that's the only issue with Taichi with that title is it's and, like that.
0: the thing you is can go. I mean, you know, like the, the Cobb match and everything. But it's like, yeah, the more interesting matchups for me are um, are for Ishii Ichi as well. So we have Girls of Destiny, defending against Evil and Sonata. Hey, look, it's a tag team title match. You know, it's not exactly like I'm super jazzed up for it, but, uh, but, it's title match. We got Dragon Lee versus Will Osprey. Look, I think I hinted at before. I think this is a 100% Will Osprey win. It has I don't get to be. To-
1: oh my god! It, after that promo that Will cuts, where he says, "I'm moving to Japan and I'm gonna be the best junior heavyweight champion ever, and I'm gonna put this company on my back, and like I want to face heavyweights and I want to face junior heavyweights and I want to face everybody." And yeah, yada, yeah. Yada, yada. He can't go out here and just fucking take a one-two-three in the middle of the ring, right?
0: I mean, if he loses the Dragon Lee and then Hiromu comes out and challenges Dragon Lee, it kind of makes the whole Willow Spray shingle match just a wet fart at
1: that point. Right, right. And that would be so, really disappointing if that, that happens. Really so.
0: disappointing. I, I, I think it's an absolute lock that he wins the match. I do. But that also means that we're not getting the expected Dragon Lee-Hiromu direction that we thought. But that could mean that Hiromu's not as close to coming back as people thought.
1: Right, so, We, we kind of, we unfortunately got a little, we, <laughs> we definitely got invested in it when he, you know, you released that video on Twitter and we were thinking, oh, he's back at the, at the thing. I'm, I'm basically at the point I'm at now with the Roma is when he comes back, I'll, I'll just be, you know, I'll be happy when he comes back, but I'm not really buying that, you know, it's happening anytime soon. I, I, it's one of these weird things where like when it happens now, I'll be excited, but I'm, I'm done sort of anticipating it. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So Abushi Naito, again, they could wrestle every show for as far as I'm concerned. I'm never going to get tired of that. Um, they're always going to have a great match every time out.
1: Well, we're halfway through the year and they've wrestled on every show. So you might as well just keep it going. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The I mean, G1 is just those two guys facing each other the entire time. And yeah, yeah I think you can get the rest of the year. The
0: same block. I think they might be in the same block. I, I think remember. they
1: would probably. Yeah, for sure.
0: It's like, but uh, can Naito lose again?
1: Oh, God. I don't think so, but he doesn't really need the IC title, right? Like, that's kind of a, a weird deterrent in the G1, right? I, I But he can't lose again. He's got to win one of these times. I yeah. think. <laughs> I don't I don't have a good read because it's like weird for him to have the IC title right now too. So I don't know. It's it's kind of this weird position they put themselves in. But I don't know that he can eat another loss. But it, we always say the G one's the great equalizer. He can eat five losses before the G one and then fucking get fourteen points and win that thing, and no one's gonna care that he lost in you know June.
0: I have a thought. I'm jumping ahead a little, but I've been thinking about this.
1: Are you doing some fantasy booking?
0: Kinda. Not okay. really. I just, I long term, I, I'm seeing something in the third eye, the Matt Seidel third eye. <laughs> I, I, think that uh, I'm getting off the Naito G1 bat I don't think he's winning it. I think a I think it's a time. I think a is beating Okada at the Dome. How about that?
1: Wow, you're changing everything.
0: I told you. I, I've been thinking about this, and he's. Beaten Naito like a drum. And he's re-signed with the company, which is key. Full-time. He's massively popular. I, I, I don't know. I feel there's something in my gut telling me it's abushi's time. <sighs>
1: That's that's tough. Everything has felt like it's, but have we? Have, have I, I, you might be right because we may have booked ourselves into this or, or kind of worked ourselves into a shoot here with this Naito. Yeah. Um, where it's definitely this year and it's definitely going to be now. But oh man, it, it feels like it should happen though, right?
0: I feel for some reason like it's Ibushi's time, and I feel like then maybe this is really playing chess. Then maybe Naito can win it off him after getting his ass kicked the previous year by him all that time. I don't know. I just feel like it's a Bushi's time. I'm not setting that in stone. I'm not making my G1 prediction on June 6th, but I'm leaning that way. Anyway, Okada versus Jericho. Give me a percentage chance for Jericho. We've talked about it the last couple of weeks.
1: Man, I knew it was coming. (laughs)
0: We agree it's not 0%. Right? It's possible that Jericho wins this. So put a percentage on it.
1: It's 25% too low. Should I go higher? I I don't know. Yeah, I can't go higher than that, right? No,
0: I I would go about 20%.
1: It's too much to go anything above 25%.
0: Here's the thing, and we talked about it. I will not be stunned if he back elbows Okada and pins him. It will not stun me. I'll be surprised, but not stunned. And it would not stun me if he's a double champion in, in, you know, whenever that case may be whenever they're doing that match with uh, Paige. Because I I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I think he should beat Paige. I don't think you built up Paige yet.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of interested. I, I, that, that's an interesting discussion that I guess we have many, many sure, more no. months to talk about, yeah. but we don't have to do it right now. But yeah, that, that is a very, very interesting discussion. I, I, I've waver. Every- I waver on a daily basis.
0: For well, is your, is your counter to that that it's kind of like make your own stars and not... Yeah.
1: It is. But then I also, like, the, then the next day, I'm like, yeah, that's fucking Chris Jericho, man. You know what I mean? Like, that's publicity. That's eyeballs. That's, you know, and and Paige's time will come eventually. Like, Paige can then win it, you know, later. So I wave around a daily basis with that. I so.
0: think you're shooting a mighty load if you put it on Paige already. I, I, I Why not save that story? But anyway, uh, we'll talk about that another day. This match here, yeah, I'd go about 20%. I don't think it's totally out of the question that he could win. But then, you know, it's like, because here's the thing. You don't need that belt around for the G1. And it's going to annoy people because he he won't defend it. He'll, he'll lose it the next time he wrestles.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. He'll go away the entire summer and then yes. come back at whatever, you know, and, and, and That and, doesn't
0: bother it. me. I know that bothers people, and I get why. And I don't think you're wrong for that bothering you. It wouldn't bother me, though. You don't, because I, I am more, I do lean more business focused. You know that. And to me, it, you don't need that title around for that tour anyway. And if, the, if his matches are going to draw money, I think you play ball with him. I, 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 I defer to business when I know it's going to do business. Like It bothers me that he didn't quote-unquote earn the title shot by beating anyone. It does. It bothers me. But at the same time, I can forgive it because I know this match is a big money match. And at the end of the day, that matters more than making sure he like pins someone in a tag even though it bothers me from, you know, my own personal canon in my head from those sensibilities.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, absolutely no. I wrote an entire article where I was basically yeah. like, this feels icky, but I totally get it, and I'm totally in favor of it. It's one of these weird where I'm like, I just wish they gave him like one thing or just something so I could kind of just say, oh, yeah, well, he he's getting this title shot because X, and it's just like business-wise, it's, yeah, he's getting this title shot because he's Chris fucking Jericho, and he's getting this title shot because Okada... Wanted him to get this title shot because he challenged Okada, and Okada said, Yeah, fucking bring it, dude. Uh, but you just want to, you just want a little bit more. And a company that does such a good job of right. of, of giving you reasons why matches happen, you have this one that's just happening, and it's kind of like yeah, it I, feels icky and weird. So,
0: yeah, I don't like it, but I understand it. It's like I don't like when Kaiju just come out and challenge either. I, we talk about that all the time, but I totally see a scenario with him winning, going away all summer. And then losing it at King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah,
1: King of Pro Wrestling or one of the destruction shows or whatever. Yeah, it, it absolutely could happen. Totally
0: plausible. I'll go 20%. Yeah, I don't think it's likely. I just think it's possible.
1: I think it's good to set yourself up for that, too. Because if you don't set yourself up for that, it's going to be like... It's going to floor you when Chris Jericho hits that back elbow and pins Okada and, and just runs away with that title. And man, well, I'm, I, I'm signing off on Twitter for that day for sure.
0: Well, I think they know what titles... What I'm sorry, what shows he's wrestling this year i think they know that already sure. so like, if you know he's coming in for this and king of pro wrestling or whatever one of the destructions whatever one you want to name power struggle just give me the one we always forget no matter what one you think he's coming in for uh g1 final i you know that wouldn't make a ton of sense because i guess you'd have to no you can't defend it there i guess but
1: no whatever. everyone that everyone that yeah is gonna be worth anything will, will will probably either be in it or yeah the guy who's gonna get the title shot is has got to go with it there no I, I i'm with you that it wouldn't and the thing is that i think you know from you talked about you don't need the the, the belt from like uh, a booking standpoint, it could just kind of be there, but you also don't need it from a business standpoint either. In, in the summer, right. which is, is 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 strange to say, but like it it doesn't really matter if that title doesn't make an appearance the entire summer because people are still going to go and watch these shows, these big time matches and 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 big time G one matchups or whatnot. And and there's a a little bit of a benefit to having your world title on Chris Jericho. There's a little bit of kind of eyeballs type thing or whatnot, and and it's weird and it doesn't feel right all the way. But I, it, again, and we're saying it's like you know we're, I'm at twenty five percent. You're at twenty. We're not saying like get ready for it to happen for sure, but we're just saying eh, you know don't be don't be stunned if it happens. But if it
0: happens, we're going to brag that we said it.
1: Oh, of course, yeah. No, we we would both have said, "Hey, listen to the tape. Go back to the tape. We said it was going to happen. So if you're
0: going to do it, this is the time to do it for sure. Right before the G one tour is is the time to do it. Honestly. I kind of want to see it happen just for the Schadenfreude aspect just of see it.
1: the Just see the world burn, yeah. God,
0: people are going to be annoyed by that, and I love when those people are annoyed. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like, I, for the Shadenfreude aspects of it, you know, the people who can't stand seeing Jericho, and, you know, like, he disappeared with the IC title already, like, I would love to see all of those people get annoyed again. So from that aspect, from a trolling aspect... <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd like to see it but that's that's when is the date on this Dominion? uh six
1: nine six nine for dominion I a
0: couple days.
1: yeah i can't wait man this is an unbelievable days. top to bottom show you can't skip anything on the show everything is good the fucking o- the two opening matches are moxley and umino and kojima and takagi are you fucking kidding me
0: okay so rich yes we got one topic left we are going to review uh takeover Correct? Yes.
1: Oh, I thought you were gonna say money in the bank, but I guess we'll shelf that till next week. So next week, Star K ninety one and money in the bank. We promise.
0: Correct. Well, Rich, I have a surprise topic for you.
1: Oh no, I hate I hate your surprises. Your surprises are always the worst. I hate your surprises, but go ahead.
0: So producer, I'm gonna need the producer to hit the music. What That's in the right. Hell is happening. <laughs> it's time. We're all familiar with who he play for.
1: The game. Oh my Charles god! Markley, Unbelievable. The
0: game where Charles Barkley attempts to guess what teams NBA players are on.
1: Oh no!
0: Today with Rich Cretch, we are going to play what brands he play for. Oh no!
1: NBA oh no!
0: Thank you, producer, for the lovely theme music.
1: So we actually have a producer now. That's incredible. for For the last seven years, it's been me, but I I I got ready to. I have a window open on Google Chrome, and it just never happens. So thank you, producer. So
0: So let's go, crates. We're gonna play.
1: Give her or him a raise. So all right.
0: What brand they play for?
1: All right, with WWE
0: wrestlers, and you need to name the official brand they are listed on on wwe.com
1: can i just say wildcard for everyone or no
0: no you must name a brand as you know rich there are five brands in wwe as we go oh
1: through. no oh god damn
0: there me. is raw there is smackdown there is 205 live
1: there is nxt and there is NXT UK. Well, luckily, I, I, I think I'll know everyone of the NXT UK geeks, but that's... S-
0: some of these wrestlers may work multiple brands, but you must name the brand that they are officially linked to as per WWE.com. And those are the rules. And let's get ready to play. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what brand they play for. Okay. We don't have a soundboard here. If you get it correct, I will say, ding, ding, ding. If you get it wrong, I will make the most annoying sound in the world, Rich. (laughs) It will be...
1: That's pretty damn annoying. Okay.
0: So are you ready to play? (laughs) What brand they play for?
1: I'm ready. Let's go.
0: Mikey Falcone will appreciate the match game music. Okay. Wrestler number 1, Rich Cassius Ono. What brand he play for?
1: Ooh, so he has been doing some NXT UK shots, but I believe he is still officially NXT. UK, uh, NXT.
0: So Rich, you're going with NXT.
1: Yes. And what? Get out of here.
0: Cassius Ono is listed on the NXT UK roster. Oh, wow, okay. That is incorrect. Okay, are you ready for wrestler number 2? I'm ready. Victor!
1: (laughs) God. I want to say Victor is SmackDown. SmackDown Live. SmackDown Live.
0: So one half of the Ascension. Rich, you are going with SmackDown Live for Victor. (laughs) Victor is on the Raw brand. He is on the raw brand. I'm so sorry, Rich. You're okay. 0 for 2. You're oh 0 for
1: two. 2. Not good. Let's get that. Let's get off the schneid here. Let's go.
0: Okay, we have another one. This was tricky. Another man who has worked for multiple brands. Drew Gulak! What brand did he play for?
1: Uh Drew Gulak is definitively, I want to say, a 205 live wrestler.
0: And you know he's been feuding with Kushida and NXT. Does that change your mind at all? Does
1: not. I'm still going 205 live.
0: Rich is locking it in. 205 live. Ding, 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 yes.
1: ding. All right, there we go.
0: One for three. All right. All right. Let's go. You you, you built up. I feel
1: good. I feel good. I'm confident. Yeah, let's go.
0: Okay, here we go. Apollo Cruz. What brand he play for?
1: <laughs> I believe Apollo Cruz is a raw competitor.
0: <laughs> Apollo Cruz is part of 205 Bot. What? No, he's not. Oh, I'm sorry, SmackDown Live. Yeah, I was going to say, okay, I was about to say, no way. What? <laughs> the, live, the live part threw me off. I was the like, I think the
1: threw weight limit. Up. They've really let go of the weight limit recently.
0: SmackDown Live. Okay. Are you ready, oh, Rich, boy. for our first lady competitor? Oh, of um, course. Yeah, let's go. So let's play who she play for, Sarah Logan.
1: Uh, Sarah Logan is a SmackDown competitor. <laughs> SmackDown Live. SmackDown Live.
0: Oh my God! Monday Night Raw. Jesus Christ. Monday Night Raw. All right, we're a little bit more than halfway through the game. <laughs>
1: Not doing well.
0: You got three left. You're one in four, but we can. I think I'm t- one in five,
1: actually. <laughs> That's you're, right.
0: you're, you're one in four. You can go four and four if you sweep the board. All right, let's do it. Are you ready?
1: I'm ready. I'm focused.
0: Okay, Rich. Travis Williams. Who he played for? Who the fuck is Travis Williams?
1: Uh, oh, oh, he's, uh, he's one of those NXT UK geeks, right? All
0: right, so you're going with NXT UK yeah, for yeah, Travis yeah. Williams. You believe that he is an NXT UK jag. I'm not going to do the buzzer. I made that one up, so you're not going to lose <laughs> I was like, I him. don't
1: think I've heard of any. I was thinking, who's the? There's like this, like really. Oh man, there's there's a guy next to UK that I couldn't for the life of me. I've seen him like seven times. I couldn't for the life of me remember his name. And I thought that man was Travis Williams, but I forget who that actually was. That I'm trying to think of. So just not forgetting. a real
0: wrestler, but it's telling that it could have been. Okay, let's move on.
1: He would have if there was a guy named Travis Williams. He would have done an next to UK guy. Can you at least give me that?
0: I'm going to give you the point.
1: Thank you. So All right.
0: Keep the rest of the board. You can leave this thing with a 500 record, Rich. Another female competitor, Mickey James. Who she play for?
1: Ooh, Mickey James is. She's hurt now. She tore her ACL. Uh, Mickey James is (laughs) SmackDown Live for Mickey James. All right, that was tough, man. I, I, really, I honestly thought Rob, and I was like, I'm so wrong. I might as well just pick the opposite. So
0: actually, this is amazing. You've got one more, and you can make the, an incredible
1: comeback. Oh my god, the pressure's on. Well, you four. gave me—I mean, to be fair, one of the guys fakes. So I mean, that really doesn't count. But oh, he would have been yeah. NXT UK. I'm gonna take it. Yeah, you're right. He would have definitively been an NXT UK guy. Way. So yeah, for sure.
0: The final competitor to go four and four.
1: <sighs> pressure's on
0: to win the jackpot. The jackpot Rich,
1: or the jackpot?
0: To win the, it could go. The, the jackpot is appropriate for this one. Rich, for all the marbles. No way, Jose, who he played for.
1: Oh, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. He's still Take on the roster.
0: Thank uh, your Time. Still on the roster.
1: <laughs> still on the roster. Huh? Oh, God. Uh, no way, Jose. I'm going to say Monday Night Raw.
0: All right. We're going with Raw. Maybe Rich has seen this man on Main Event.
1: Yeah, I forget maybe, what is Main Event affiliated with, or is it both, right? Like it maybe matter. he's
0: just going with his gut. He knows he's not 205 live. He knows he's not NXT UK. He
1: might be. I don't
0: know. You're locking into Monday Night Raw?
1: I'm going Monday Night Raw.
0: Ding, 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 oh ding, God, ding, ding. Oh, my
1: God. What a comeback. Unbelievable.
0: Fantastic. Rich comes all the way back after a slow start. He ties himself up. He's at four and four. A you gotta give me a
1: tiebreaker. You gotta give me a tiebreaker, right? I, I can't go out with a tie. That's kissing your sister tough. I, I, I can't.
0: Rich, I would give you a tiebreaker, except if you think I know the answers to this shit, <laughs> looking it up, I absolutely do not. I tell you what, though, we can pull one up quickly.
1: If Please do. Get, uh, I, I need to break the tie. I need pull. to find out if I okay. am if I worthier or, or Unworthy, and there's only one way. A tie is not going to settle this.
0: All right, we'll give you one more. We'll make it. We'll make it challenging, okay? But we won't make it uh, uh, a layup. We want to make sure you're challenged a little bit. Let me make sure you look at. Okay, Rich for the tiebreaker. Eric, who he played for?
1: <laughs> oh no. Um... He asked
0: for the tiebreaker. folks.
1: Uh, this is a member of the uh, Viking Raider Experience Party. Um, I want to say, I'm gonna, okay. I'm locking it in Monday Night Raw. Oh,
0: hold on, later. I got an ad plan on the.
1: <laughs> How professional. I got an ad plan on the no, music. That, fire that producer. That guy, uh, you know, yeah, that I guy or a, girl that you hired—they're—they're they're garbage. So
0: I got an ad plan for the Deadwood movie on HBO on the production uh, oh, right. music. Um. Uh, who did you select, Rich? Uh,
1: uh, Monday Night Raw.
0: Ding, 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 ah, ding, 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 All right, go. you're a winner. You are, let me tell you, for a first time effort, Rich, you are a winner. You have defeated the game. You are the uh, official champion <laughs> of what brand name play for, which means you get to hear the winner's music. You win the jackpot. Which is you get to do this show again next week? How oh,
1: thank you? God! All right, hate to see what the losing is,
0: but all right. So that was a well-produced segment.
1: That was very good. Yeah, I'm the I'm for uh, yeah the producer. I know they're probably just playing it on their phone or whatever, but uh, still, bang up job by that producer. So
0: surprise, Rich got caught by surprise. I didn't give him a chance to study. Okay, so give him credit. He did a nice job there. So anyway, no way,
1: no, ho- no way Jose's uh, on raw, huh?
0: According to dot uh, com.
1: That When's is. the last time Noah Jose's been on TV? Listen. <laughs> it's <'cause>, never mind. <laughs> I'm not. I, that I'm that not that looking for an answer. That was more of a hypothetical than a yeah. uh, one that I'm actually asking. More of a more of a, a big picture thought than a uh, one that I'm looking for an answer for. So there you go.
0: All right, so we got about a half hour to do this takeover.
1: Let's do it. All right, I see takeover at 25, Joe, the weirdest takeover of all time. We talked about it last week, uh, kind of shoehorned into the schedule because of a uh, certain show that uh, WWE is doing uh, in Jeddah in a country that shall not be named. Uh, So this show got moved to uh, Bridgeport, (laughs) Connecticut, uh, which was good because it got it it was able to be attended by Joe Gagne, you uh, know of course uh, hosted the five star match game so actually kind of works with uh, the with the uh, the last segment we just had there but he was able to go there live but uh ultimately
0: <laughs> hold on hold on <laughs>
1: There you go. Yeah, Mikey Falcon. this is going to be his favorite segment of all time. Yeah, I auto so. played
0: there, but I got the, the volume off now. Sorry about that.
1: Uh, no, no problem at all. But uh, yeah, so of course we had NXT TakeOver 25, uh, I would say, overall, before we kind of break it down match by match. A, a very fun show, one that I enjoyed. A nice, tidy, what was it, 244? Every show needs to be 244. And I, I tweeted out about this, and I got a bunch of people, and I tweeted out about Double or Nothing, too. And, and, and people are like, oh, Wrestle Kingdoms are good or whatever. But my thought is that nobody has ever left a show that was longer than three hours and said, boy, I wish that was longer. Boy, I wish that show just had another hour or so. Boy, I wish that was another hour and a half. Like, 244, get in, get out, tell your stories, important matches, and move on with your life, man. I love nice and tidy shows. If you want to once a year do your nine-hour WrestleManias, your nine-hour Wrestle Kingdoms, whatever. I'm fine with that. Your nine-hour, you know, All Japan, Yokohama shows, I'm fine with that. But, man, week in, week out, month in, month out, 244, two and a half, under three hours, please. I bet this show was over and I was able to do stuff with the rest of my night too. It's just unbelievable. I loved the timing of the show. Uh, but your overall thoughts on uh, NXT TakeOver 25?
0: Yeah, it was a great show. It's really as simple as that. It was a great fucking show with um, what I thought was a, 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 an awesome main event. I thought it was better than the match they had in New York. Uh, for reasons I get, you want to start there. You want to talk about let's, that? Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Let's start from the top. And uh, we should mention as well this uh, this review, also sponsored by our friends at Grapple G R A P P L. If you want to download the app and uh, see our ratings and give your ratings and uh, and see what the world thinks about uh, wrestling matches, as well, it's a fun, interactive way to watch shows. I remember I was, uh, and I know they were updating it as Takeovers going on, so it's kind of fun to to rate a match and see what things are going on while you're watching it in real time. And that's what I was able to do with Takeover. So really good stuff there. So of course they are sponsoring this, so we'll talk about their ratings in addition uh, to our ratings as well. But yeah, let's get at uh, get after it right with the NXT title match, Adam. Cole Gargano
0: I thought this told a better story a better and more simple story than the New York match did from Bell to bell um, the, the story of Adam Cole going after gargano's leg gargano's just superlative selling of that body part throughout the whole match really from bell to bell uh, Cole constantly going back to it and um, it just it didn't feel as the, the the match in New York to me felt more of a typical recent vintage NXT overly melodramatic style of match with the run-ins and everything too on top of that this felt more like a traditional world title match and I thought the story was tighter I thought the story was more concise I thought Adam Cole uh, much like the Will versus Shingle match where both guys were just outstanding I thought they were here as well because I thought Gargano was his usual awesome self but I thought Adam Cole like Shingle really stood out in a lot of different ways. Uh, Cole. I say it all the time. I never doubt him in a big spot. He he may as well be he's big match Cole. Okay, he delivers in the big match. Uh, he saves it up. He's he may not go all out eight minutes on NXT. He might not go all out. You know, fifth from the top on an ROH show somewhere. Big match. Adam Cole is going to deliver. The way the way he places his high spots in a big match is as good as anybody in the world. In terms of getting maximum response from the crowd, knowing where to place those high spots in a match, he is just. So good at that and always in the big match situation has the crowd in the palm of his hands, particularly as a heel. And, um, this match just hit every chord with me. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Plus it was super dramatic down the stretch. A lot of excitement, tremendous work. Gargano as always delivering, uh, as a sympathetic babyface in terms of his selling and everything else. I damn near went five stars on this 4.75 out of me. Um, Will flirt with my top ten this year for sure. Uh, I don't know where it'll ultimately land, but there's a good chance it'll be in it. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was an awesome, awesome match. And uh, Adam Cole now gets his chance to run with the title.
1: Yeah, so it's, for me, I you know I I, and I talked about the New York match. I, I gave five stars. I was there live. I think that one that one just holds a special place in my heart. And I think a lot of it was being their life. I really do think that that sort of affected it in in, in a lot of ways. And that sort of increased my enjoyment of it in, in in some ways, but also I I'll, I'll be honest that I enjoyed the story of the New York one a little bit more in this one. Like you're saying, I, I think the story of this one was pretty, pretty together. You know what I mean? Adam Cole just went out there and beat Johnny Gargano. We focused on a body part and he just kind of wore him down, wore him down, wore him down and beat him. And I like that idea. I really do like that. I like the simplicity of it, but I also like to the, you know the New York one, and, and and being there live, and and going through the roller coaster, and going through the up and ups and downs, and and thinking, oh God, Gargano's going to lose again. Oh wait, no, he's going to win. Oh wait, no, no he's going to lose again. Oh wait, no, he's going to win. Okay, no, he's going to lose again. Oh wait, he's going gonna and like that happening, I'm like a minute by minute basis on that match, being there live and seeing the emotion. I that's just it, it, it's one of those very special matches for me, and I, I said it's one of the my favorite matches that I've ever seen live one of my favorite matches I've ever seen period so so that one definitely holds a special place in my heart whereas this one while I liked it I went four and a quarter with this one I I just for whatever reason it did it just didn't strike that same chord with me and 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 it's one of those ones that maybe if I go back at the end of the year and I watch both of them back to back I might end up liking this one a little bit better than the New York one but the New York one will just kind of I, you can't replace that one for me because being there live and, and and being that experience, it was just unlike anything I'd I'd ever really experienced in a wrestling show ever. So th- that was one where where yeah, it, it, and and I, this one had to live up to those expectations, those insane expectations of this is my favorite match that I've ever seen ever. You know what I mean? Like, and and there was no way that this one was going to do it. And and I think they got very very close. And there was a lot of spots that I really liked about this match. I just felt that it sometimes it got a little too long in the tooth, a little bit too many kickouts, a little bit too much of that stuff. That 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 to. Me took me out of it just a little bit, like a few too many super kicks, a few too many kickouts, and and you know I think that ultimately as as a a total package, very very good match. I still like I said, I still really really enjoyed it. It's just it doesn't match up to the New York one for me, and and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with you sort of saying that you like this one better, and me saying the New York one. And and I think we we both and 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 a lot of people, it's cool to see the battle lines being drawn. There are a lot of people that still like that New York one a little bit better, and there's a lot of people that swear by this one, and that's kind of cool that that people can watch two matches with two different guys. And 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 agree that both are good, but then sort of have their own camps of no, this one is better than that one. So so it's kind of cool, but I mean, ultimately, a really good match, and 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 I'm kind of surprised by the result. I won't lie, I, you know, I, I know you were kind of ready for Adam Cole to have uh, the title. Uh, Gargano is probably better in the chase than he is as, as the champion, but still, like, and we talked about it last week when you're previewing it. Is I don't know what happens with Johnny Gargano now in NXT. Like, I don't think you can go back to Johnny chasing. You know, I it, it's just it, it it's. He's gotta go, he's gotta move up. He's gotta do something different. Cause if it's just Johnny going, hey, I'm gonna get my I'm gonna get back at that title. Like we've had that now. We've had that for three years with Johnny Carcano basically in NXT. This guy has got the most NXT matches of fucking anybody ever. Like he's just constantly wrestling in NXT. At some point, he's either gotta move up or 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 something's gotta change. And to me, that change was him being the champion for a little while. That's over now. Adam Cole's your champion. Not that I disagree with Adam Cole being champion. I think he's he's good for the spot, but I'm just left with okay, what now for Johnny? And Joe, do you do you have any idea what's next for Johnny?
0: I think he's got to move on. I don't like his chances on the main roster, but I do think he has to move on. He's got to be done here. NXT sort of patterns. Maybe they do another match and he loses. That's not... I, I don't think that's something that's impossible. I wouldn't do it with Gargano, though. They kind of already moved him up, just put him back on Raw. And I know he's going to sink and not swim, but it's time to move on. And I think it's uh, it's time for the Matt Riddle chase is what I think is next. And I think the big program moving forward is going to be Riddle and Cole and maybe strong Cole at some point if they go through with the split. I kind of hope they don't go through with the split, though. I hope it's one of those things that they teased and made you think they were going to do, but then they don't do it. Because it's nice and wrestling every now and then when they don't do the obvious thing. Maybe these guys just didn't get along for a while, and then they just patched it up. Wouldn't that be great?
1: Yeah, skin? exactly. They just kind of unified. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry, I, I got jealous, or I got whatever. But we're good. We're fine. <laughs> you know, go beat them. That'd be yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, more of, than know, likely, the hips and hit him with a chair. You know, that sort of thing.
0: But. Yeah, but I mean, more than likely, they're going to split with strong, and 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 those will be his contenders. Strong and ultimately Riddle, and Riddle is going to win it at some point. Um, but you know, and you could even maybe Keith Lee if he gets hot as a baby face, There's another one. So, um, you know, uh, I I think Gargano should move on, especially, you know, so, you know, Cole won clean, you know, so it's like he tried to do, use the chair when they did the ref bump, but Gargano, you know, turned that back. And then they went for another four or five minutes or whatever. And Cole ended up just winning the bout clean. You know, he hit the, he went for the Panama sunrise and Gargano sat straight down. You know, they did like the Bret Hart Owen Hart yeah, spot. Mm-hmm. And he got the, the, the near fall, but then he hit the Panama sunrise immediately and then finally hit the last shot, which he really wasn't able to hit the whole match. The one time he went for the last shot, Gargano did the Omega spot where he where he collapsed. Remember when Omega avoided the Rainmaker? Yeah, right, right, right. You know, so that was a, a good little spot. You know the tapes he's been watching to come up with that one. And then, um, you know, but otherwise, there were just so many good – I mean, the, the the Panama sunrise off the aprons of the floor.
1: Oh, Jesus. That was nuts, yeah.
0: You know, it was a tremendous spot. And, you know, Cole can go, and he really spaces out his high spots so good. I mean, that's all I ever think about when I watch him. I know I harp on that, but he's just so good at that. And, um, you know, he's over like a motherfucker. Half the crowd loves him. The other crowd loves to hate him. So, I don't know – I'm the thing with Gargano is now. I think if he does move up, it just if NXT will start to feel fresh again.
1: Yeah, and and that's why I don't want him back. And John Gargano is one of my favorite wrestlers. You know, going yeah. right now, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. But I'm I'm done with it, man. Like if he comes back and it's just like you know what I mean, he's cutting that promo of like, yeah, you know, I was a champion and I'm trying to get back. It's like, all right, dude, like come on, you've been you've been NXT for years now. Like just just go. Just it, it's time to graduate. I don't care. Go to 205 Live so they can hide you, or or go to NXT. You can go anywhere, but just like. Just, you can't be here anymore because we got too many other guys ready to move up. And, and this, he's kind of the last vestige, what it feels like of, of that old kind of NXT era. And, and Choppa's, you know, on his way back and he'll be coming back again too. But there's just like, especially when you have these shows that are only like, you know, three hours or whatever, that, you know, and the weekly TV is only an hour, is that like if it's taken up by the same people over and over, it just feels so long in the two. But then like, yeah, three years in a company is not like, you know, God, Dolph Ziggler's been, you know, on fucking, you know, the main roster for you know a decade at this point now, too. But with NXT the way it's structured, it's just like it's just you, there's so few opportunities for people. And it's just like it felt like he's just been this cloud that's been hanging over NXT for so long that now that he's lost the title, I, I just I can't see him going back and just going in the chase. I I just don't know what you do with him other than he's just gotta finally move up. But I don't know if Triple H doesn't want him or want to because he knows he's just gonna get fucking destroyed on the main roster but it's just it's time to just let them go man it's just time to let them fly and and see what happens yeah i agree uh grapple users five uh 4.52 for this one so uh four and a half stars uh for them so they're they're kind of in between you and i so i'm i'm at four four and a quarter uh you are four and three quarters correct for this one yes Yeah, so right between us with four point five two, move on to the uh, women's title match here. You had Shayna Baszler defeating Io Shirai in twelve minutes. I went three and three quarters. Grapple users three point four three. Joe, where do you stand with Shayna Baszler and Io Shirai?
0: Went three and a half. You know, nice little title match. It it kind of falls where all of Shayna's matches fall. Um, She's not going to hit those high levels like when you know the uh, the the, the Sasha Banks and Bayleys of the world were in were in NXT, but. I always enjoy her matches on some level. I like Candice LeRae's involvement with the, with the Singapore Kane, which was uh, uh, playing off all of the television angles that they did between these two. And uh, she choked her out, center of the ring, and just beat her. And Shayna Baszler, it's interesting because, I mean, she's probably not ready for the main roster, but they don't really seem to care about that. So it's kind of good that she's staying but again, she's getting a little long in the tooth age-wise. I don't know if that they're thinking about that, pushing 40. Um, but, you know, she holds on to the title, so she's going to be around at least a little while longer. And, um, you know, I, I really, for Io Shirai, I, I don't know. You know, we, we all know that um, the main roster is going to be a death sentence for her. Like it is for all the other Joshi. That are <laughs> for for <the> everybody.
1: <laughs> we should but just say for everybody. Yeah, for
0: everyone. I mean, in particular. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. But um, she hasn't really landed for me in NXT, to be honest. I mean, nah, she's fine. that's she's
1: why okay. I'm not like, because there's a lot of people that are like, this is ridiculous. But I was like, man, she's not the like one. Her, she's not the one, man. You, you'll know when the one comes and it, it, it yeah. hasn't been anybody yet. And it's definitely not Io Shirai. That's it, a
0: good it, point. She doesn't feel like the one. You're right about
1: that. Like, they've saved this up, and and they, they've saved it up for that person that just, like, takes it by the, the horns and just says, no, I'm the next person here, so.
0: You know what it might be? Mia Yim. That's who it might be. You know, she beat Bianca Belair in that uh, TV match this week, and uh, she obviously is a tremendous wrestler, and I, I, can, I can definitely see the crowd connecting with Mia Yim in a way that I don't think they've connected with the I You're right about that. I doesn't feel like the one to me. Right.
1: So, so I was fine with it too. I found Baszler just choking her out. And yeah, and okay. I, I like the rain. I like Baszler being dominant. I like her being sometimes of a chicken shit, but sometimes just beating you. It's 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 all fine with me. So, I don't get too upset about it. Uh, North American title here. We have Velveteen Dream defeating Tyler Breeze in the match that was built up by Velveteen Dream, saying Tyler Breeze, hey, you used to be good in NXT, then you went to the main roster and you sucked. <laughs> now you're back but you still suck. Pretty good stuff here. Uh, As far as the match itself, didn't land with me all that much. I went three grapple users, 3.49. Joe, where did you land with Velveteen dream and Tyler breeze?
0: I liked it. I went three and three quarters on this almost went notebook on it, but I couldn't because um, I don't know the first half of the match or so were kind of just existed. Uh, But I really liked the closing stretch. I think Tyler breeze. He hasn't probably hasn't worked long meaningful matches and so long he's got to get his legs under him a little bit so i i think that's a, especially if he's going to be here and he's going to be expected to work long nxt style matches he didn't look super comfortable to me and uh, you know dream is dream but uh but yeah it was I, I didn't think it felt out of place in the show it was a good match um you no, know, it sounds like I liked it a little better than you did. Was this your least favorite match of the show? Or- uh definitely,
1: yeah, right. yeah, far and yeah. away. It just, it just didn't click with me. And I think what we saw is, is, and you sort of alluded to it a little bit there. Is Tyler Breeze has not done meaningful matches in about, you know, God, about two years now. Uh, at this point, maybe even a little bit longer. And and Dream is a guy who who I really like, but he always, he's always, I think, going to rise to the occasion of the guy he's facing if he's against there if he's in there against ricochet of course he's going to have a good night he's great at being the second guy the guy that needs kind of gets led to a great match and and, and does some incredible stuff he's great at the entrance he's great at the at at the charisma department but in terms of a match like he kind of had to be the in some ways the aggressor the guy kind of leading the match and we kind of saw what it was it was like you know just kind of mundane stuff like occasionally they would do a spot but it would take forever for them to set it up and it just it just didn't click with me so there was a lot of really boring stuff in this it It just felt like it went on forever. And and between, you know, what else we'll we'll talk, I really think the placement too, because it followed two like incredible matches too. So anything that was just kind of like, eh, okay, was just going to look so out of place on on the show that was pretty much stacked, you know, before that and then later uh, after it too. So no, it just, it just, it was fine, but it just didn't do a, a ton for me. So yeah. I move on to a match that did a uh, lot for me. I really enjoyed this one. The NXT uh, tag team title, Fatal 4. Of course, the titles are vacated by the Viking War Party Machine Raiders. Uh, and the match was the Street Profits versus Danny Burch and Orny Lorcan, the Forgotten Sons, and the Undisputed Era. The Street Profits win. They finally get those titles. The, the long awaited title reign for Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. Joe, I was ready to, I, I fucking love this match. I was ready to say, this is the match of the night. I can't believe it. This thing is awesome. And then Gunner happened. There was a ten minutes. I think it was only two minutes, but it felt like ten minutes where Gunner cleared the ring. Of course, I forget what's his name now. Jackson Riker, right? Isn't it? That- Lots of Xs, uh, lots of Ys. Yeah, Jackson, Rexon, or whatever. Uh, he's the Forgotten Sons heater. He's the muscle for the Forgotten Sons. He comes in, clears house. Then he's on the outside, and guys are toe-paying onto him, and he keeps getting up and keeps getting up. I'm like, what are we doing? This match was incredible, and now we're stopping for 10 minutes to give Jackson Rikers some heat. Uh, that really dragged it down a little bit for me. The match is still awesome. I still gave it a 4. But, man, Joe, this was trending towards, like, four and a half. Like, God, I fucking love this match for the first, you know, 15 minutes of it. And then the last few minutes were great. I love the finish. I mean, the, the finish with uh, Angelo Dawkins doing a spear through the ladder and Montez Ford jumping up, leaping from the top rope to the top rung of the or the, the seconds of the top rung or whatever of the ladder, making this face like, oh, my God, I did it. I cannot believe I did it. Then punching off. I forget who he punched off. I think it was one of the Forgotten Sons to grab the title. It was just an awesome moment. So the finish was great. The beginning was great. The middle was great. And then there was a Gunner segment, and the Gunner segment just dragged it down so much that I, I had to give it a four, unfortunately.
0: Everything you said, except I liked the Gunner segment. Oh,
1: you're an idiot. Get out of here. Because
0: I liked when the other three teams banded together to just kick his ass and get him out of there. I thought that was a really good spot. Um, So I enjoyed it.
1: That feels like a lot for Gunner, though, doesn't it?
0: Well, I mean, they push him, so it's not like it's someone who... Is he just a geek or something? I don't know. I liked it. I liked the idea of him disrupting the match, annoying the fuck out of the other three teams. And then when they had a chance to get rid of him, they put their differences aside for a couple, for a couple minutes and just beat his ass. And then went back to fighting. And, I, and everything else you said, I thought I agree with. Like, I loved the ending. The right team won, obviously. I was a little worried they weren't going to do it. But the Profits needed to win, and they did. So they got the, the, the right team in. And I've been getting a little tired of these ladder matches, these WWE ladder matches. And the last few really haven't landed for me. And the first one where I really started feeling the malaise was the New Orleans one that everybody loved. And when that one didn't connect with me, I knew that this match style had just passed me by because everybody else loved it. And I really didn't like either money. The Money in the Bank ladder matches were okay, I guess. But again, they, don't really, they didn't really land with me. This one did. I thought it was just, it didn't feel like the usual set up a spot. Okay, now two more people come in and set up a spot. It didn't feel like that to me for whatever reason and uh you know Kyle O'Reilly's back just oh took beating. Kyle
1: O'Reilly and Bobby Fish who just comes back from injury taking just yeah. I'm looking at his knees I'm looking at it I'm just saying oh my Bobby Bobby you just came back man I was convinced he tore he retore his ACL or whatever I forget what was his last injury right he tore his ACL I forget what it was yeah, but yeah. There, he took a spot where he like landed on the floor from the ladder and I'm just like Bobby you just came back buddy like reel it in a little bit and, and O'Reilly man he just got killed in this match oh my god
0: yeah one great spot where he got where fish got knocked off the ladder he took like a twisting bump and then he took out o'reilly and they both just barely missed the table legs that were underneath them too which yes
1: oh that was the one where i was like they're dead yeah. they're both these men are dead so
0: yeah but um uh, yeah i mean i you know i thought it was um uh, the i i enjoyed this ladder match more than i've enjoyed a ladder match in a long time you know, a lot of times I'm just like, that was a nice car crash and a decent visual. There were some spots, but I just didn't, I, I'm usually bored by
1: the end of yeah, these things. Yeah, yeah, so this one was, was was really breakneck speed. There was a lot of really cool stuff happening. Yeah. There, were, there were a few, and this is also kind of drags my rating down a little bit, a few spots where it's like, you know, why? what are you guys doing? Like, they're holding a ladder for no reason. They're like swinging the ladder even though no one's in the ring or, you know, just weird stuff like that. Like, that would be kind of ladder match tropes. We were like, just set the fucking ladder up and climb up, you idiots. But, like, I get it. And then a guy, you know, springboards off the top of the ladder, and you're like, oh, okay, I see what they were doing. But, like, you know, it makes no sense psychology-wise, but whatever. You know, sometimes that, that shit happens in these, so it's okay. Um, and then we go to our opener, Matt Riddle, Roderick Strong. Joe, I fucking love this match. I went four and a quarter. Grapple users, 4.15. Joe, what would you think of Riddle and Roderick Strong? 15 minutes where these dudes didn't take a fucking breath in 15 minutes.
0: It was an absolute sprint. Perfectly worked, and and just an incredible pace, the stamina on these guys, the quality of the work. I went four and a half. Love this match. Uh, you know, one of the best openers you're gonna see ever on a on a on a big show. I mean, seriously, there aren't many openers better than than this. This is just great, and it really uh, set the tone for what ended up being a great show. And I really liked how at the uh, at the finish, uh. Strong escaped the promission with those elbows, and he got out of the promission, and and Riddle had to let go of it, and then instead he finished him off with that uh, Gotch style uh, tombstone, but he kind of just, but you know, you're not allowed to do pile drivers, so he lands on the guy's back. It's kind of right. like a weird tombstone Gotch style pile driver slash Styles clash hybrid. So he had to finish him with something else because Strong just wasn't going to let him finish it with the promission with the elbows. And um, that kind of played off the work that they did. It's just a great, great match. And I, I knew this is one of those matches where you knew exactly how they were going to work it, and and they worked exactly how you thought they would in your mind. You knew this was the match they were going to go out and have. So these are two. Y- these might be the two best wrestlers in the company. These two guys. You know. So it's like, I'd like to see them have more matches, but I don't think they're going to. I think. Um, you know, Riddle is going to move into the title picture from here, but, but who knows? But, um, but this was great. And I, I, this is almost like it was perfect amount of time for them. And, and, I don't know if I want to see Riddle have 35 minute NXT matches. I think he's best in this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. 15, 20 tops. But yeah, that, that's going to be the worry is that they kind of have a standard, but, but maybe they can get away from that standard a little bit. Which He could not.
0: be the one to break that mold maybe when he moves into the main events. I think Roderick Strong works best in this style of match, too. Yes, that's oh, yeah, why sure. I knew these guys would have a great match because it was right in both of their wheelhouses and they're perfect opponents for each other.
1: Absolutely. So that was NXT 25. Really, really good stuff there. Love that opener. And uh, all, all told, uh, really thumbs up show. So uh, good stuff. So yeah, this has obviously been a fun week of wrestling, man. A lot of great stuff. Uh, it's only going to get better with Dominion coming up this weekend. So we'll be, of course, talking about that uh, next week on the flagship. But uh, that's it for us today. So again, thank you to Grapple for sponsoring uh, a few of the, uh, the show reviews this week. Of course, Grapple, G-R-A-P-P-L on the App Store or uh, the Google Play Store. Go on there. Do your ratings. Follow Joe and I on there as well. Uh, of course, VoicesOfWrestling.com for previews, reviews, and all that other good stuff. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash forums. Uh, and of course, uh, the uh, the rest of the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. you listen to the flagship here. We hope that you subscribe to the entire network. A lot of good shows on there. Topics about everything in the world of wrestling. We got music of the mat. We got the Brute round Roundtable. We got Shake Them Ropes. We got the Super J Cast. I mean, just incredible stuff up and down that network. The five-star match game, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Everything Elite, if you're into uh, all-elite wrestling. A weekly show about that. Open the Voice Gates, uh, the Dragon Gate Podcast. They it's just a new episode uh, this week as well. The two Sarahs. I mean, just ton- tons of good stuff on there. The Mole Club. Hey, you speak Spanish? We got a Spanish podcast for you too with the Mole Club. So a lot of good stuff on there, but make sure you're subscribing to the entire network. And of course, make sure you're reviewing it as well. It always does help uh, if you go on to Apple Podcasts or whatever whatever app you use. Uh, and if it allows reviews, definitely go on there and review it. It helps more people listen to our shows. But that's it for us. So for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich craig We'll see you next time on the Voice Wrestling Flash Podcast. Take care.